Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil We're gonna get you. No, you're never gonna get it. No, you're never gonna get it. No, you're never gonna get it. Oh my no, god, it really made me sad when they said you're never gonna get it. I know, that I really wanted really to get it. Me too! I want it! Like, why Why would I... Or how about you won't get it for a while? Why am I never gonna get it? <laughs> yeah, never is a long-ass time. <laughs> Tell me and Vogue. Have is you ever thought called? about how long eternity is? Yeah, and that's how long you're not gonna get it. Welcome Hello. back to another episode of the funny comedy podcast called Evil Men. We are Michael and Chris and James, but not only those ones, because we we're, we're joined for a second time by a very special guest and a friend of the show, Ennis Esmer. Hey, how are you? You're never going to get it. But wow. our listeners are going to get it Yep, this episode. And if it is entertainment, right? It, it you yes. get. Uh, you're going to get it. In in spades, plenty. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice to be back, yeah. guys. Welcome. You're at my house today. Can I just say, yeah, yes. this place it rules. You are the <laughs> consummate host. You've, oh. you've offered tea, chocolate, uh, bowls, bowls, health bowls. Yes, water, diet coke, and Lacroix. Lacroix for our American friends. <laughs> Uh, listen, it's just uh, my way of trying to ingratiate myself with and you, three of the finest podcast hosts in the history of and you have a the recorded re- medium. Oh, I interrupted a, the, like a really the nice compliment. compliment we've ever gotten. You could have pulled that as a soundbite, but it's and toast it's, now. No, go. Do it again, please, please. Um, I just think the three of you are the finest podcasters who don't interrupt their guests in the history of broadcasting. <laughs> Yay! Woo. Thanks, Ennis. But, well, I you was, are going to get it accolades. That is well, that, what I was going to interrupt you with. Yep. When you were giving us the best compliment on the planet was, and you have a weighted blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a weighted. Should we do the show, uh, the bonus episode, all being under the weighted blanket? Oh I, I don't know if we, we'd have to tuck to in pretty tight. My life. If we did, we would finally get a Canadian podcasting award. We'd finally win one. It is we are. It is cool because Ennis has kind of a loft, so we're up in his living room. Um, but it's it's all open concept. So while Ennis was making his tea, without asking, we just walked over and started looking in his bedroom. Mike yeah. James, I gotta say. I really would love to win a Canadian podcast award, but I think it's still going to be tight this year. We're running up against podcasts like My Brother Has a Broken Arm (laughs) and My Mom Acted Weird When I Was Young. (laughs) Yeah, hard to beat those. We should make fake ads for those. (laughs) My Brother Has a Broken Arm. Um, Well, Ennis, you were complimenting us, but I mean... I want to compliment you. That's why I was doing it. You're a successful actor in Canada and the United States. It's incredible. UK, probably. Probably. You're on a million TV shows always. Yeah. Do you have Australian and New Zealand uh, fans uh, slide into your DMs? um, No, uh, not from maybe into the Discord after this. If you're Australian and you like my work, why don't you slide into the, uh, the Discord? Maybe we could start a separate thread. Yeah, people Ennis from fans. the United Kingdom that like Ennis. You should start. Separate. Is Australia in the United Kingdom? That's not uh, no right. What are they? Commonwealth. Commonwealth. Yeah. There you go. Okay, but you should start. Sorry. dedicated Twitter and Instagram accounts just for your Australian fans 
to follow where you can send them exclusive right. news and stuff like Eeny that. Sneeze. I went to a Blue Jays game you, you, with Ennis. Your sauce for Eeny Sneeze. Is that good? No. Eeny Sneeze. Sneeze? Oh, love Eeny's. I went to a Blue Jays game with Ennis a couple weeks ago, and he got recognized. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It's from that show. There you go. <laughs> I had uh, two, a couple times, that I, I don't know if you've ever had this, but people know you from somewhere, but they don't know from where. And so then they kind of like try to guess. And uh, I usually say like, I don't want to say it because if it, this could suck for both of us if I suggest a yeah. bunch of things and it's not right. But then yeah. I was on my bicycle after we left that game, actually, and two women stopped me. They were taking a picture together. And I was like, mm. do you want me to take your picture? And then they were like, no, we got it. And then like classic pickup line on your part. Yep. But just cruising for two babes, taking pictures. And then uh, they circled back around. And they were like, you're on something, right? And then I said, I didn't want to. Uh, yeah, I said, yeah, it's possible. You've seen me. Or something. Like, what is it? I was like, I don't like the one time I listed everything I did. And the guy was like, no, sorry. So I don't do it anymore. But if you figure it out, let me know. It's like a standard. Yeah. Lightweight line. And then they were like, no, but what is it? And like I could tell, they did not. They weren't getting what I was doing. They were getting aggressive. No, yeah, just no, but just like stern, like they were in charge. Like it was like talking to the principal. So I just said, I just named a couple of things, and luckily the second one was right. But nice. They had actually they knew me from a proline commercial I did in two thousand four. That's not true. <laughs> well, I I went to a, a cafe recently, and a woman there was like, um, "Do you do acting or something?" And I and. I did say yes, but I really think she still thought I was much more famous. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was just semi-coincidental. Like, I think she thought I was, like, actually a big famous person. So, I, so I, I don't know. I didn't want to... I did sort of say, like, yeah, I've done some stuff, but she seemed so impressed in a way that I'm like, I think you think I'm... Like Josh Brolin or yeah. something? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing I've done is really worth your reaction James right now. like Josh Brolin. <laughs> I'm trying to I do. Who, who, do you, I do. who do you get as far as uh, yeah. cops with the beard? Yeah. Oh. Kenny Loggins, I'm seeing. Oh. But like shorter hair, oh, Kenny Loggins. Oh, people yeah. used to tell me, I always blank on his name. Fuck, I'll have to look. I'll have to... Steve Smith, Red Green Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... Well, then you're Patrick McKenna. Watch out. <laughs> Uh, from Tool Time, well, your uh, name gets mixed up with Al. Josh Al right from Al from Home Improvement, Richard yeah. Karn. <laughs> oh, do people get you Richard confused Karn. with Josh Hartnett? Does that happen? Oh, when he like, was, do you get DMs from Josh Hartnett fans? I what happened constantly from about 2004 to 10 was people would be like, "Hey, Josh," and not and just automatically say Josh because they're used to the name Josh Hartnett. Right. And I still, someone said it to me um, yesterday. Occasionally, it's called you Josh. they know my name is James Hartnett. And wait, but they they go, "Hey, Josh," because they think they're just thinking of Josh Hartnett mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. You just said you saw Oppenheimer the other day. Isn't James Hartnett Josh Hartnett? Oh, Mike, it happened here. You get that in real time. <laughs> so you must have been cursing his presence in the I movie was. because his career is kind of in a down. And I honestly am happy. I mean, he's already rich. He doesn't need to work anymore, and it is annoying slightly for me that he's back on the spotlight a little bit a because I'm just going to get all the time. Hey, Josh. I heard he killed it in the movie too. He was good. I thought. So also, he's, going, he's I, only going to get more and more roles. Is, is there going to be a heart netaissance? Is that the next thing? <laughs> the heart was dead now. I thought it was over now. 
So maybe, I thought Oppenheimer and Barbie were the last two movies. That's it. That's what they. That's why they made such a big deal about yeah. going to see them. Because they're, like, they're closing please. all movie theaters next week. Mm-hmm. That's why they had Tom Cruise sweating and panting like a dog saying popcorn movies. Popcorn <laughs> movies. I remember he looks who... like my stepmom in those videos. It's really bad. He's my really barely hanging on to his look. <laughs> I remembered who people say I look like. Or they did for a bit. Mark Duplass? Yes, absolutely. Okay. A Duplass brother. That one I weirdly they're got. Transparent, transparent, and uh, yeah, they're good producers. Everything yeah. else, I can't documentaries. What's the, what's, no, what's the not coupling? What's the one they got a something family something? They're, they're in everything. The Mumblecore guys, the my bratty guys. sis, family my something. Sis. <laughs> Wait, that's something else. That's um, that's not. The Do you same guys thing, get you know? Funnily enough, somebody I thought thought I was the other. Uh, Duplass brother Jay. Oh shit! I was coincidentally oh. at a premiere at TIFF of the season three of Transparent, which I think is why they thought because they're both on that yeah. show. Yeah, but I was like, oh, I'm not, uh, dude. Halloween, Ooh. you go as one Duplass brother, I'll go as the other Duplass Done. brother. That's not fair. That you guys are gonna win the best costume at every party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are gonna get so much candy. <laughs> Oh my God! Can you can you pose for a picture with our children as the Duplass brothers? <laughs> ah, oh, you scared me! I thought you were the real Duplass brothers. <laughs> Do that classic bit they have where they talk about the uh, the power of independent cinema. <laughs> Chills. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm down I'm down let's too. have multiple Halloween things and we could do that one <laughs> Mike and Chris do people ever tell you guys that you look like anyone Patrick Swayze Patrick yeah. Swayze no you, you Van Damme me. Van Damme Liam uh, Neeson I think I've definitely told this story before or I've said this before but uh, the one I have most got uh, compared to in my life is Tim Curry which I don't it's fine you know what though he, he's a hot guy He's, he's great. He's also I'd, an incredible talent. Love his career. Triple threats. But one time, no, I would love to be him <laughs> as a young man. Not now because I think he had a stroke. Right. But no. uh, you don't want to trade lives. Although with him the way him. my life is going, even post-stroke Tim Curry, you get a lot. You get a lot of my, sympathy after yeah, yeah. a stroke. Yeah, so he's got enough money. Someone would be taking care of him. <laughs> if someone's washing and wiping, then I'll I'll be him. But uh, once at a bar, someone was like, "You, you uh, must hear this a lot, but you uh, has anyone ever told you you look like Nathan Lane?" And usually, if someone says something, I'm not. like polite, like, "Oh yeah," but I was like, "What? No, I don't look like Nathan Lane." You, that what person's you insane. You, you look yeah. nothing yeah. like. I think Nathan you did tell Lane. that story on a yeah, like yeah. prior. Not episode. even like I could kind of see it, like <laughs> not can at I, all. Can I go somewhere? It's the hair doesn't quite work because you don't have a. But if you had a Caesar, yes, and were a little bit clean shaven, yeah, David Schwimmer. Schwimmer, that's Can you interesting. See oh, I thought you were still in the Nathan Lane area, but you were going a different direction. I was saying, totally you know what? Caesar up that hair. hair. You flatten the hair, it, you shave the beard. It's not Lo- crazy. The Photoshop could do it. Face. Can you say, yeah. we're on a break? We're on a break. Oh my God, Mike. Uh, Can you turn off the the show friends? We're trying to record um, a podcast. Am I entering my <laughs> swimmer years? <laughs> could be a lot worse. Yeah. Come on, breast <laughs> men. Well, he hasn't had a stroke, so that's a plus. Yes. As far as I know. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, he played. Uh, uh, was it Robert Kardashian? Juice, Juice, isn't that him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him, right? Breast Come on. Man, you said he was in a movie called Breast Man <laughs> with Chris that. Cooper, like one that. of the first like HBO movies. And that's why am I not surprised you saw that one? Well, it's about like don't the, get me canceled. The development of breast implants and yeah. how they went horribly wrong for a while. They yeah, were, like subjected to lawsuits as these like surgeons. Oh, but I feel like it was drama. marketed as like kind of like a sexy yeah. romp. The way Oppenheimer was, where it's like, you're going <laughs> right. to see everyone's dick and vagina. But then, 
Is there supposed to be a lot of nudity in Oppenheimer? During the lead up to the release, there, there were a number of stories that were like Oppenheimer to feature extensive full frontal nudity. Yeah, I was expecting like a 20 minute, like, you know, no sound effects, just like whap, whap, whap. Like, it was nothing. <laughs> like the way people talk about it, I was expecting to be like, well, hopefully we make this bomb and then cut to. What's that? <laughs> But it wasn't at all. Is hitting his dick against the bomb? That's like uh, a man's thighs and a woman's thighs whapping together. Oh, whapping. Oh, you like, thought there'd be more You know, just there'd a, be like macaroni in the pot. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. That's in that song. That's in the song Whop. Oh, okay. She says that macaroni in the pot. <laughs> My God. That's well, so gross. Anyway, so I, the can't, movie I doesn't, can't eat macaroni anymore without getting a huge. The movie doesn't begin in total blackness, and the camera zooms out, and it comes out of Oppenheimer's urethra, <laughs> and you see his full <laughs> penis and balls. I I really did not get the uh, the buzz about that. It was huh. just, I mean, it was just a sort of. Well, because Short it's, sex it's about physics. It starts with those like DNA helix like <laughs> things, but then it still comes I out as dick. Physical. And you see his dick and anus. I was uh, wondering. Or it starts with atoms, but then zooms out. <laughs> <laughs> the atoms are his dick. The I was wondering how long involved. it would take to get to Dick Talk because you've been breaking land speed records recently, and I'm yeah. glad to be a part of it. Well, it's in the news at least. This I, time. There was one episode where we were like, let's try to cool it, and it just never worked. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, weirdly, it's like when you say, I'm not eating chips anymore. And then you eat more chips than <laughs> yeah. you did before. Right, right. Yeah. Well, if the Barbie movie taught me anything, it's that uh, we don't have to do that to be men. Right. Thank you. Guys, you. you guys see the Barbie? You saw the Barbie I movie. I saw the Barbie James. movie last night, too. I liked it. Tremendous. It was some very funny parts. Really I'd moving. I'd love to see the Barbie movie, but last night I was too busy watching episode one of the uh, Crave uh, series about the unsolved murders of Barry and Honey Sherman. The billionaire murder. How is that? Oh, how is that? Same. Just said it was a murder suicide case closed and then left (laughs) for like ten days. Yeah, they should release that movie instead of Barbie in the theaters. There's a lot of crossover in the cast, I believe. Right? I think so. Those movies. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I would like to see Ryan Gosling as Barry Sherman. (laughs) He could do it. The man is a treasure. He's a chameleon. Yeah. You really believe him as a can? So are you? You're amazing. You could be Honey Sherman. Okay. I'd get in trouble. You can't do that in this day and age. I can't play a Honey Sherman. I mean, assuming Honey Sherman's gender. Yeah. But non traditional casting, right. anything can happen. Yeah, with non yeah. NTC. We've decided to cast the role of Honey Sherman with Turkish Canadian actor Anis Esmer. Unknown male actor gets role. Nobody wanted him to get. Not unknown. Look out. Look out. What are you from? <laughs> I don't want to say it's that was nice so over, great. yeah no but what, what is what it you, what is it oh god and I was like you know, you're not getting were it. they wearing leather jackets at the side? no they were in like flowery dresses they were out for a fun night at Queen Street they were gonna hit the Black Bull or the yeah. Rivoli or they were oh. so aggressive that uh, that McDonald's on the corner there who <laughs> can I ask who were the who were the standout uh, cameo appearances in Barbie the movie Barbie um. Uh, Rob Brydon shows up oh, to yeah. say one sentence. He's Rob my He's in it. Yeah, I really couldn't believe, and I was hoping he would come back. But there's he just a was couple <laughs> other. There's a funny. I mean, there is a Stephen Malkmus reference. Yeah, for all the little kids in the crowd. Well, you know <laughs> what? Like, Some of the references were pretty well. It was funny because in the movie theater, there were a lot of. I would say mostly young women dressed all in pink, like very excited to see Barbie. And then it is funny because the movie was. Definitely, kind of meta, I would say, like yeah. a like yeah. a level removed from actual Barbie, obviously. 
And I wondered how they liked the movie because I felt as though a lot of the people there were like, I genuinely love Barbie. And then it's, it is like a Barbie celebration, I guess, but it's also like not for those people. I well, think. and the trailer yeah. doesn't necessarily give away that it's going to be a commentary per se. Like it's like, bar- it's almost like, you know, uh, Austin Powers gets thawed out or Elf. Like it had that vibe in the marketing, mm-hmm. I thought, where it's like, Barbie goes to the real world. What could happen? But you don't realize it's because they're commenting on, you know, the whole creation of Barbie and why it's uh, good or bad. For everybody, but also oh my god, Barbie like, could be an evil man subject if you guys see the movie. Oh shit! Whoa. Okay, but the jokes were a lot for like adults. But then there's also like kind of you know bold feminist statements that to if you to hear my fiance say it were a little congratulations. Uh, bu- oh, that's how I wanted it to come out for sure. My fiance <laughs> thought the feminist messaging of Barbie was a little was a little two thousand and late, if you will. Okay, to, to quote right. Fergie. A renowned feminist Fergie. So yeah. there's that, which maybe is for teenage girls and and younger uh, viewers to watch and and enjoy. But does the jokes a, were. Does she look at the camera and say Eminem is misogynist? <laughs> well, maybe like you're saying it's too late, but maybe it's actually starting like a fourth wave or that's what I'm thinking. Fifth I think, wave you know, or something. Yeah. Well, it's why because remember, like when Tootsie came out, it was a big. I mean, I wasn't alive, but cheers. <laughs> Thank you. When Tootsie came out, it was like a big deal in terms of a movie mm. being feminist. That had like, a, oh my god, a Dustin Hoffman playing a woman, and then if you where look do at I it, buy my tickets? Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was like a huge hit movie, and then all of a sudden, and then now it's like, now it's basically a movie about a guy who pretends to be a woman for two days and thinks yeah. he knows what women uh, yeah. feel like in their lives all the time. So it's obviously like gone the other way. So I wonder how much this is going to land in that way because there's right. there's a lot of nice there's good messages in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I would say, yeah, a little heavy-handed at times in yeah. a way, but I liked it. it was Ryan funny. Gosling, funny. Nas- National Treasure. He was really funny. Really surprisingly funny. Who do you think would nice. win in a physical fight, Barbie or Tootsie? <laughs> That's Well, wait a second. Tootsie in the 80s? <laughs> yeah, not or, current day Tootsie. Cause... Not Dustin Hoffman currently dressed up as Tootsie. <laughs> so Dustin Hoffman at like 35 <laughs> dressed as Tootsie yeah. against Margot Which Robbie I hear now? he leaves the home sometimes and he does. Dust and just goes out as Tootsie. <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> well, because he's been kind of canceled, hasn't he? So maybe he goes as Tootsie to like experience what that's like. Yeah, yeah. He touched other people's Tootsies. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> on set, apparently. I'm going to give it to, just to be on the right side of everything, I think Barbie would whoop Tootsie's Woo! ass. There yes! it is. Yes! Any Barbie would whoop Tootsie's <laughs> ass. Very nice. I would like to see that. <laughs> we could set that up. Chris, you never said who people say you look like. I always get really really bad embarrassing ones like people here's the thing uh (laughs) we live in a world right now where you're not allowed to say much because it's offensive to many (laughs) i get made fun of every day yep (laughs) every day for being bald having a mustache and until only very recently being fat and people still make fat jokes yeah who, who's so doing this? You though? are very, very not stuff. fat. So you post something Thanks. and then they write, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you can be fat. It's the thing is, is like yeah. I guess because I'm a comedian and I'm silly about myself too. They think they uh, people think they can. like make uh, jokes about what I look like every pretty much every day. Let's get them. Yeah, no, it's what, okay. What so the people that uh, because I am comfortable with it for the most part, but it's like, damn, the double standards here, eh? But anyways, I get. Mario, Luigi. <laughs> what a build up. This 
such a build up to say Mario and Luigi. Uh, <laughs> about Wario or Jeffrey Mo- Tambor, speaking right, of. Jeff- Jeffrey Tambor, yeah, right. I mean, I do kind of see the dude from uh, Narcos, I guess. Uh, Pablo Escobar? Yeah, I don't of. mind that, but Pablo yeah. Escobar had better hair than me. Well. But he wasn't nice to people. But is I don't Bob mind Hoskins? That. He had good shirts. Is yeah. Bob Hoskins, if it's more specific than Mario, is that insulting? I think Bob Hoskins is a handsome, Bob Hoskins was handsome, awesome stocky, powerful the, uh, guy. Roger Rabbit? Yeah, but also, have you seen Mona Lisa? The, I have uh, not. Mona Lisa's Smile? No, or... Uh, Long Good Friday. Long Good Friday. I haven't. I've only seen that and the Mario Brothers movie with him and Dennis Hopper. You know, I read a book that said Nintendo wanted to it just flopped. not release it, but somehow they determined... But like they were going to just... Uh, the full made movie just put it in a vault and never put it out. And now they do that with everything. Yeah, and that's now right. You, yeah. Didn't they just make some... Batgirl, a bunch of other right. movies like that. Could you yeah. imagine? That's crazy that they didn't even release Batgirl. Yeah. Wouldn't That's that mean, make a dude? billion dollars? Yeah, I think so. Come on, How man. How bad could it have been? Couldn't have been worse than... to the other movies they do release. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. think quality is an issue at this point. I think God, as long as it's got... hunk of shit looked like fucking junk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got excited because Michael Keaton was in it, but then I realized I could just watch the first Batman and feel fine about yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, and no, how did we spend a billion dollars on this Batgirl movie and not realize that the villain is the Pope and she kills the Pope? <laughs> We can't release this. <laughs> uh, they realize it after announcing picture lock. <laughs> I know it says Batgirl in the title, but I still thought it would be Batman. <laughs> That's a test audience. All the angry like, audience oh, no. members. I thought everyone was being sarcastic the whole way through. Yeah, I was waiting for Batman. Is <laughs> a no, bad girl? I told you it was Batgirl. She's on the poster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was a disguise for Batman, a new kind of disguise. <laughs> Damn. Ennis. Yes. I'm just taking this Put me chance on the spot. to seem like a moment to change gears. All right. It feels like we're in a police station now and you're interrogating. I Ennis. know. I, I didn't mean for it to be so stark. It just yeah, came uh, out that uh, way. A spotlight good, though, dropped from the ceiling. Us now, so now we could yeah. really yeah. nail his ass to the wall. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so you're all playing good cop. <laughs> yeah. You had a fun idea. Oh, yeah. Regarding weird, way cooler, or whatever. I have many fun ideas. Um, so, um, let's play the sound. Weird, or way cool, or whatever. And Ennis, what's your weird, way cool, or whatever fun idea? Do I, do I wait? No. Well, I got three of them. I got three potential weird way coolers or ways three three potential weirds ways cool or whatevers, whatsoever, and I thought I'd do one of them based on your votes, and the other two we could save for the bonus, thereby driving uh, membership to the Patreon. Yes. Love that because right? I know you guys love to plug the Patreon. By the way, Scott Rogowski last week referred to it as WWCW. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I went with yeah. WWCOW. That's I cool it, too. I the word "cow" in there would be fun. Yeah, it is. WW it's fun. cow. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay. World so wrestling cow. Yeah. <laughs> World so wildlife have, cow. You have three. <laughs> I have three. Potential. Yes, I have three. Uh, Excited. The first one is uh, there's three categories I'll give you, and you just decide which right. one you want. The first one is uh, driving, driving oh. etiquette. Hmm. Second one is crying. Okay. Mm. The third one is tennis. 
Mm. Nice. You guys think it over, and I'll, I'll supply whichever one you want. And wow. feel free to vote at home. We'll tabulate those votes in real time. Yep. Just press one on your phone for, for driving. Driving. Two, two for crying. And nine one one for tennis. Yes. I feel like a goddamn kid in a motherfucking candy store. Mike, yeah. I haven't Jesus seen you this excited Christ. ever. Well, we speaking of which, we do have actual mini dairy milks with of, mini eggs, so you are yeah. hopped up on candy. Uh, I've had a lot of chocolate. I, I'm, I'm going to make a vote. Okay. I think we do a, a tennis one for the main show, okay. and we save your crying and driving for the bonus. Okay, because yeah. crying and driving are a bit more intense and uh, could be like, take us to some personal places. Yes. So good, let's do tennis. I was going to say tennis as well. Yeah. Okay, oh, excellent. Good. Great vote. Uh, okay, great. Tennis. So I'm with the boys. <laughs> All right, so here it is. Very simple, very quick one, and it's Ooh. just a philosophical... I guess if I'm framing it in terms of my attitude about it, uh, I have gone to... And I mean, it could still get spicy because of what I'm about to bring up, James, Uh-oh. and you'll see why in a second. Uh-oh. Um, I've, I've been playing tennis a lot. Spicy. James and I have been playing. Also, yes. a, a guest of the show, beloved comedian Tom Henry, and I have been playing quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, we went there one day, and someone was just practicing their serve by themselves. The court was busy otherwise, and I don't know if you know how it works in Toronto. If it's busy and people are waiting, you put up a racket and you have a half hour to wait. Now, that rubbed me the wrong way because I feel like if it's one person by themselves, uh, they should have to defer to groups of two. It's like a full game. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're waiting for somebody. So Pract- one person by themselves. You practice against okay. a school wall, too. Yeah, you can Especially practice, if you're yeah. practicing to serve. Right. I mean, I respect it if there's a free court. But the other side of I it is one know. time I went and people next to us were playing pickleball. There was a couple playing pickleball on a tennis court. Every other court was tennis and they were playing pickleball. So I guess my weird way cool or whatever is uh, uh, playing sports on a, on, a, on a court or on a field where it's not made for that sport. Okay. Weird way, cool, or whatever. What's the etiquette? I have played pickleball on public tennis courts. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) And were people waiting to use the court for tennis? They were waiting to use it for whatever they're waiting. Yes. But can I can I just before okay. you yeah. please That's Mike. very interesting. Did, did that you make sense? Something? That, what is the weird where cool or whatever? Like did you do something? Did you say something? No, I just to think it person? shouldn't be uh you shouldn't get to just do stuff oh, by yourself so if you the primary okay, okay. So like, like pickleball like f- on a tennis court. Yeah. Weird, way cool or whatever. I yeah. mean, this or is a having huge... a problem with pickleball on a tennis court. There... Weird, oh, way cool or whatever. Ah, there's been articles about the, uh, this like rivalry between pickleballers and tennis players. I love both. And I will say uh, it is weird on your part because I, I I think pickleball is close enough to tennis. If you're playing it on the court, it's no different than playing tennis. Okay. Can and I fold in another example that's similar sure. to tennis? My friend Rob, he's a big basketball player. Uh, sometimes they'll go to the court and there'll be people doing yoga on the court set up. No, mass. absolutely not. Well, now what's the difference? <laughs> because pickleball is using the you're using the court because you can use the smaller squares. Okay. Whereas yoga, you could do that in the grass. That's true. Pickleball, you need a court yeah. with lines, okay. and you can sort of make do. What about the person serving on their own when there's pairs waiting? That's a bit much for me. Okay, so you think so that's... So that's a way cool. That's a way, it's a way cool to dislike that. Yes. Yeah. But the pickleball to me is weird. So disliking pickleball... And the yoga to me is outrageous. Yeah. So it's way cool to dislike someone playing yoga, doing yoga on a basketball court. Playing yeah. yoga. You playing might as yoga. well be like <laughs> doing like making love to your wife on the court. Whoa. Well, I just mean, you, you know, yoga. What kind of tantric shit are you guys getting up to? Well, listen, there's how all long kinds do you of. last? There's <laughs> yoke, pickleball, or sexual intercourse? Sexual intercourse. <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple hours. <laughs> what? What about oh, pickleball? Very nice. Very uh, like nice. five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> if, if, if it's been a while. Yeah. It's less. I like playing pickleball. Unless I played with... pickleball by myself earlier that day, and then I can last <laughs> then longer. You can last longer, but it's not as fun. Right? Don't you find it's not as fun? Like you're there for it, but you're like, I'm not barely hitting. <laughs> I like playing pickleball with a nice Black Forest handball and Swiss ball. Yep. <laughs> on, on rye ball. Yeah. And maybe a little a net of au jus. Ooh. Ooh yeah. mm, I'll dippy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll and then I'll go see Oppie. <laughs> you know, in the movie, his friends really called him Oppie. Really? Yeah. Oppie? And when I, anyways. Uh, guys, do you think it's weird to, for that Ennis is annoyed by... by uh, uh, I have, uh, I'll say it's way cool. You say it's way cool of me to be annoyed. I love <laughs> like, that. I think more committed. men should be annoyed. I think it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm not going, excuse me, yeah. do you know that this is stupid? I'm not, a real, I'm not a real man. No, I'm annoyed by it. It's, you know, like, so what am, where do I stand on... So I'm with you. Way cool. Yeah, you think it's way cool. I All think right. it's way cool that you're annoyed at pickleballer. Yeah. No, but the, you know what? The one that makes me more upset, weirdly enough, is the single server. Yeah. Yeah. That to me too. That one, seems that one like... almost feels like because like, sure, you have to practice your serve, and a tight serve is uh, crucial to the game. But also, when other, when tons of partners are waiting to play, like there's a look at me aspect to it. Yeah, like there's a you know there's a self absorption of that I don't like. I would yeah. feel really self conscious serving exactly. Well. Like even so playing pickleball, I felt that. a little weird. But I'm like, hey, we're playing, we're using the court, serving by yourself. No way. I yeah, could see. I that could see. Seems do that like egotistical a bit. Well, if you were on a basketball court shooting hoops by yourself, and a, people came up to play a game. You give up the court. You'd be like, oh, no, sorry. I'm going to be doing this for 30 more yeah, minutes. Yeah, I'm supposed to hit 1,000 free throws today, or I can't come yeah. back inside. You can do yoga on the other half of the court, but... Uh... <laughs> my coach says I have to work on my serving. Coach for what? Uh, da- middle-aged daddy house league tennis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the weirdest thing was, last time I was one of the last times I was playing with Tom, I saw a guy come in with balls by himself, looked like, a real, looked like he knew what he was doing, stepped on the court with confidence, prowess, Seemed, you know, going to practice prowess. some serves, no problem. Yeah, he had prowess. And uh, Tom and I picked a different court because there were spaces. And then uh, just as we're about to start, we're taking the balls out, da-da-da, chit-chat. He comes over to us, and he's like, hey, uh, no, um, no pressure, but um, uh, after you're done playing, will you teach me how to play tennis? Dude, well, Whoa, I thought that was gonna be the opposite. It's like Ennis is really like good at tennis. No, no, no. But th- th- but hold on. That, I'm not. I'm not. You good. are, I, in my I'm opinion. Competent, but the point being, this guy went to a court by himself with balls, and apparently no knowledge of how to play tennis, and just asked strangers to teach him. I am and no- then he went over to somebody else after he asked us. <laughs> oh, I kind of like weird. that because. He's really cheap. He's trying to skimp out on paying for lessons. <laughs> There's that. Or also, looking it up it on co- YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Did he like, have like tentacles poking out from under his hat? <laughs> oh, and, like, right, right. Leaving a trail of ooze. Tony, Tony Shalhoub in Men in Black. Did you teach yeah. me the human, I mean, game of tennis? By game the way, of human tennis? Last, little, tennis. last little tennis detail. One time when I played tennis with Ennis, Ennis took off his shirt. I've been doing it every oh, time. I was going to say, well, uh, I've been tennis, doing it a lot. Sunscreen, of course. Sun health, very important. Is that a tactic to sort of I'm trying to balance your out. opponent and yeah first yeah because yeah. your name does rhyme have you ever taken your shirt off at a party and said Ennis anyone <laughs> I will now are you throwing any parties anytime soon that's really good I would love to I probably that could will. be a fun line with your you know getting amorous with your partner like yeah. Ennis anyone Ennis anyone I've got balls or brackets. <laughs> 
I if you like, racket. if you like Ennis anyone, press one. If you <laughs> think I should just be respectful of my NS potential NS2. partner, Ennis any two. <laughs> if you think I should have taught that stranger how to play tennis, press three. <laughs> Thank you so much for teaching me tennis. <laughs> <laughs> I like the optimism of it because it is a very hopeful question to ask strangers it's at a tennis cute. court. Excuse me, will you teach me tennis? Did Complete he look like Balky <laughs> from Perfect Stranger? <laughs> he, he had a court that said, he had a sign that said um, uh, Masters or Bust. Or oh, <laughs> Wimbledon or Bust. Aw, yeah. that's sweet. Beep, beep. <laughs> Before we get to Ennis' evil man this week, um, guys, we have a live podcast show Yes. Coming up August 24th at 8 p.m. Woo! At the Paradise Theater in Toronto. It's going to be so fun. It's insane. It's going to be great. Our other two shows were really fun banger shows. Ennis, you were at one and on one. Yes, they were I was. great, weren't they? Were they were incredible shows. Yeah. And we're hoping this one will be even bigger and really fun. And it's a final uh, last hurrah for summer. If you've been waiting for one True. live podcast to attend before uh, school's back, this is the one to come to. <laughs> That's right, all the kids out there. And uh, if you want to buy tickets, go get them. Uh, you can find uh, links to uh, how to buy tickets on our Instagram and Twitter, at Evil Men Pod. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get 15% off with a code you can find on our Patreon page. So please come out. It's going to be fun. We're we're still um, booking some special guests. They're going to be really funny. Um, so please, if you're in Toronto at that time, please come and see us. It would be really fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And I'm going to wear a fun costume. Yeah, we're all going to dress fun. There's mm-hmm. a bar there. We'll talk to you and meet you. Anything you guys want. Yeah. Will you guys have? A, will you guys be giving away athletic greens samples? <laughs> well, no. We talked about um, what was it? What was the thing from Bulk Barn? We were going to give away nutritional oh, yeast. Nutritional we yeast. might have yeah. a raffle of nutritional. All right, yeast. good on popcorn. We'll, yeah, yeah. we'll get. Yeah, we'll that. go to Bulk Barn on the way, and I'll get a bag of nutritional. Like yeast. instead of salt. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. good on popcorn. So, yeah. like, you know, when you go to a fair and you see those guys walking around like they want a huge teddy bear yeah. or something for their yeah. for their girl. <laughs> One of you audience members is going to leave that night with a big, huge sack of nutritional yeast. Yes. And everyone on the streets are going to be like, oh my God. Okay, so we're cool. really doing this, I think. Yeah, Mike, yeah. have you ever won a huge teddy bear for your girl? No, I won like a weird uh, furry snake. <laughs> like, uh oh. From like one of those games where you shoot shoot uh, water and the horses race. Uh, oh, that's yeah, a good one. That's yeah. good. That's a great game. Yeah, and were you like, uh, there's more furry snakes where that one uh, comes from? You know, no. the fur goes all the way up to the top. I was, you know, if you if I you was, squirt water in the right place, was, you might see another furry I think snake. I was prepubescent at the time, so oh. there wasn't more furry snakes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, some snakes have no hair at all, he said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He's like, I think my mom's over there. He's going to come pick me up. Did you have a young girlfriend, Mike, when you were young? Like, a young a girlfriend? Yeah, the second half meant, is the best way to work. Did you have when you were prepuced? I have a young girlfriend now, though. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't really know. No, no, me neither. Really, yeah. no. Why, why no. tie yourself down in grace? Just school, unlimited right? boys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, when I was a teen, I would go to uh, the carnival and win all these big stuffed animals for the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just like a bunch of stoned guys driving a minivan home full of stuffed animals from the carnival. Uh, Let's also mention, too, that uh, we also have a Patreon account. 
patreon.com slash evil men. And if you sign up, you get two bonus episodes a month. We're going to record one with Ennis after this episode. Oh, um, yeah. And if you believe in cause and effect, now, b- uh, both our guest, Scott Rogowski, who's quite successful, he's a Patreon supporter. Mm-hmm. And this week's guest, Ennis, is a Patreon supporter. Holy. And you're not doing too bad either. So cause and effect, does, does becoming a patron of evil men lead to a, uh, you know, a sparkling career? Maybe. Who's to say? Maybe. I, I, I couldn't us... get arrested in this town before I signed up for your Patreon. Oh my God, seriously. Truly. It's crazy. I didn't work for 15 years and then boom. <laughs> it's crazy though. If you could, yeah, if you join our Patreon, you too will all of a sudden have the talent of an actor who's been at it for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you get to join our Discord on there too. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the real. That. Yeah, yeah. There's a chat group. Chat room. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Beep beep. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> Mr. Esmer. Yes, Mike. Mr. Belazzo, yes. Oh, thank you very much. It's nice to get uh, respect in turn. No. I'm so happy to have you back here for another year. Well, it's almost a year ago. You did Jose Canseco. I did. I did. He didn't see it, though. I don't think he heard the episode. He didn't, he didn't hear it. But I was hoping he would. Once again, we're going into the world of sports, and so you've asked me to do the research for it. <laughs> <laughs> and who did you pick this time? I picked a uh, notorious boxing promoter, icon, legend, scoundrel, and possible evil man, Don King. Oh. Now, wait a minute. I have to ask. Isn't Don King uh, Shrek's companion? Chris. Chris. That's... Oh, that's forget it. Oh. Oh, please continue. <laughs> what a what a uh, ominous foot to start on as we're taking this journey <laughs> down the path of Don King. Uh, so, guys, we're going to learn about Don King. And I'll just tell you a few things off the top. Don, or Donald King, is an American (laughs) boxing promoter. Understatement. He's the most successful and famous boxing promoter in the history of the sport. Well, wait, Mike, can I just stop you for a sec? Absolutely. Did this Don King himself have a companion who was like a big, dumb ogre? (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Because I see what you're saying, because if he did, maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. And a Scottish accent, too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Did he manage Peter McNeely? That would be the, that would be the answer to that. <laughs> so Don King, the world's most famous and most and, uh, outrageous boxing promoter. And sorry to interrupt, but I would say Ennis, like I, I follow sports, you two, fairly closely. Yeah. You guys, Mike and Chris too, but like I couldn't name a, another boxing promoter. No, like, I absolutely he, couldn't. He's so I mean, famous that I, I couldn't think of a single other one. My only knowledge of boxing is like before... I don't know, like a 10 or 12 year old, like Mike Tyson's punch out Nintendo era. Yes. Thinking that it was cool to watch boxing matches on like pay per view and that was first kicking off. Or like HBO had late night fights on TSN and stuff like that. Yeah. I watched the Holyfield Tyson fight as a kid, weirdly, where he bit his ear off. Me too. Crazy. Mm -hmm. I I also watched the concussion that night, play boxing with my friends afterwards because we were so jacked. That's really? Yeah, yeah. I have a whole story about it. Anyways, I watched. Uh, I watched uh, Tyson actually fight Peter McNeely when he first came out. I think it was right when yes, he got out of jail. Yes, and he like destroyed. They found him. like this embarrassment of a guy for him to fight like, first. It was like one guy. punch in the third in the first round. And yeah, I always yeah. remember Boston. during the press conference before the fight, this guy McNeely, who no one really knew, he was. It came out of nowhere. He was like, "If you don't think he was like a, 
Irish Boston guy. Yeah. yeah. He's like, if you don't think I can beat Mike Tyson, you got a big dump in your pants. That's what he said at the, the, the he, press he conference. He just really like, good line. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was like a minute or something yeah. that he lasted. I think it was like, yeah, it was like one punch. A, if you're an out. adult and you have a big dump in your pants, I guess that does infer that you're stupid and you didn't make it to the bathroom. So yeah. That's pretty, <laughs> like it's not, he didn't shit his pants from fear in this scenario. He no. just had one already because yeah, he thinks the dumb thing. So guys, <laughs> yeah, right. did you know that Don King was involved in several of the most historic boxing matches of all time, including the Rumble in the Jungle oh. and the Thrilla in Manila? Whoa. He's also notable for promoting and managing a certain Iron Mike Tyson. I had oh, no I idea he was involved in he's the Ali crazy. days. He was yeah. he's, he was his manager. I had no idea. Ali's and Foreman's. And, uh, no idea. Yep. That's so interesting. I didn't know either. That's really wild. Yeah. But guys, outside of the ring, I almost don't want to tell you this. Uh-oh. Don King has been a controversial figure partly due to a manslaughter conviction and civil cases against him, as well as basically every boxer he's ever worked with has sued him for uh, stealing money and ripping them off. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. So I would put him in with like your Lou Perlman's or your, uh, what is it, Captain Lou? Who's the guy that, Elvis's guy? Captain, Captain Albano? Albano. Elvis, Elvis's manager. <laughs> Was he the guy with the two by four? Yeah. <laughs> I think, Anderson. yeah. Sorry, I'm all over the place. You got mixed up with... Colonel Tom is Elvis's manager, Hacksaw and Jim. Captain Lou Albano right. is Cindy Lauper's friend. <laughs> oh, is that true? <laughs> All right, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Captain so, Lou Albano. Yeah, but he, uh, 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 while while purporting that America is the greatest country on earth and that uh, boxing is the one true bastion for uh, uneducated men to make millions of dollars and live the American dream, he has bilked countless boxers out of their fortunes lying right to their faces and then stealing money from them and fleeing mm-hmm. for decades. So yeah. he steals from the most scariest, dangerous men. Yes. That could like basically yeah. punch his head off of his body. Sounds like he has some fairly large cojones. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll start telling you guys about his early life. So yeah. Don King was oh. born in Cleveland, Ohio in 1931. So Cleveland... <laughs> Imagine Mike in the edit works in baby noises uh, <laughs> like that. It's a boy. <laughs> you know who else is from Cleveland? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Drew Carey, Tracy Chapman, <laughs> Paul Newman, and that's where they filmed the Cleveland show. <laughs> well. the, car- the cartoon? That's, the car- where, they that's where they filmed, filmed the show. Did Cleveland really live in Cleveland? <laughs> that's so neat that that's where they filmed the cartoon. They filmed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, when Don was 10 years old, this is sad, so please treat this with respect. I think, by the way, we have listeners in Cleveland because they're on the Discord. Shout out to those guys. Oh, great. Well, I just forget their name. You know. If you're from Cleveland and you support Don King, press one. If you hate Don King and you're from Cleveland, press two. <laughs> we should have done this live in Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Anyway, when Don King was 10 years old, his father, Clarence, was a steel worker. Uh, he was killed in an explosion at the steel mill, leaving Don and his six siblings in the care of their mother, Hattie King. Now, Hattie, did Don see him explode? He didn't go to work with his father that day, and he, he's <laughs> yeah. regretted that for the rest of his life. <laughs> Except if it had been Bring Your Son to Work Day. This, oh, this that'd be a whole other ball game. A whole other episode. Oh, my God. That's a whole Terribly episode. disrespectful. So hey, sad. son, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Uh, his mother used the insurance money to move the family to a nicer area in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, to support okay. the family, Hattie baked pies and roasted peanuts, which she gave to her sons, who would then go throughout the neighborhood, mostly to the gambling dens, and sell 
Baked pies and roasted peanuts. Well, what's so fucking, what about the fucking peanut allergy thing? Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, Couldn't do that today. Yeah. So he started... <laughs> it was a different time, James. He started his whole life <laughs> as a promoter for peanuts. He was promoting peanuts? Yeah. And, and pies. <laughs> <laughs> peanuts and pies. <laughs> I've got the best, like, he's like, same tactics. My pie can beat your pie's ass. <laughs> Um, but yes, he was from a very early age, from the age of 10, I think he said, uh, <laughs> hanging around with gamblers and criminals oh, in the gambling racket in Cleveland, Jesus right? Jesus Christ. Obviously in very uh, so, you know, socially and economically depressed parts of, Absolutely. of Cleveland at the time. Yeah. And uh, Christ. After, <laughs> after graduating... You're still mad about the peanuts? <laughs> no, I mean, it is a harrowing childhood yeah. So far. Yeah. He once I ripped, genuinely have empathy for him at this point. He ripped off and resold Mr. Peanut's monocle <laughs> as a child and made a bunch of money. And yeah. Mr. Peanut couldn't see for like a week. That's how he, <laughs> that's how he funded his old boxing yeah. enterprise. So he started King World. Um, I guess he could see out of... Yeah, anyway. Are you wondering how Don King got involved in the world of boxing? Yes, I am. Yeah, because well, we're talking about pies and peanuts here. Like, I feel like he's opening up uh, Grandma's knickknack store in Niagara on the Lake. Uh, as a high school student, Don King became involved in Golden Gloves boxing, but he, he soon realized he wasn't cut out for a life in the ring after he was knocked out cold in one of his first bouts. Oh, shit. So he decided to forget about that, and he instead went back to the gambling houses and started, started his own sort of... Uh, illegal gambling operation in Cleveland. Huh. Running numbers. Running, right? yes. This was a thing that, that is now technically what the lottery is. I guess it was illegal. Really? Yeah. So yeah. he kind of make, made an, his own illegal lottery? Well, I think he worked, like number runners were people who worked for, from what I can understand about the numbers racket, it was literally like lottery tickets that were based on, I think, like betting totals that would happen at the uh, a horse track that night. It was like whatever the last three numbers of the thing were, were you would win that. That's how they determined the lottery. But it was all illegal, obviously. Gambling at that point was not wow. uh, sponsored or taxed. Yeah, I didn't or, quite understand mm. the rules or the way the gambling yeah. involved in worked. But. but they basically would take number slips yeah. from one place to another and run them. There was like a... That was. I feel like the, there's a lot of movies that have shown that. Like I'm in, kind the, of con- in the 20s, like gangster movies in the 20s and stuff are like uh, Hoodlum with Lawrence Fishburne or like... I don't know, public enemies, maybe that stuff, stuff like that had like... Maybe it's yeah. not Numbers worth, was a lot yeah, of the yeah. numbers racket. You remember? Yeah. You maybe that, maybe it's not worth digging into the explanation, but I don't really understand what you mean. So like, so like you, you people would bet what the last three numbers of, of... Yeah, yeah. Instead of a draw out of like a Powerball draw out of a ball, from what I can understand, the everyone would bet illegally. Mm-hmm. And since there was no system to do it and enter your bets, they would keep track of it all by hand and writing things down. And then the number that won would be this kind of unknowable number that apparently was a total of all the bets at one specific racetrack. Oh, okay. If you got the last three numbers, then you won. And you bet with your ticket. Right? It's like I buying a lottery see. ticket. You put Lotto 649, you pick your numbers. I see. I learned all that in about five minutes, about 20 minutes ago. So <laughs> nice. I am the expert. Didn't I sound pretty expert at you that? You did. Thank you very much. So, Don King, he's running his own illegal gambling operation. By the time he's 20, he was a very successful, yet illicit businessman <laughs> he spent the next decade developing his uh, gambling operations and by the time he was 30 the guy's goddamn rich he's running the biggest numbers game in cleveland he was making and this is like in the 
late no early 50s he's making fifteen thousand dollars per day oh my god i honestly thought you were gonna say a year because that wasn't bad no per day like in the probably that time and he was a flamboyant guy you know flashy clothes flashy cars Mm. and he was also making enemies though just to be clear before we get into the enemies you said fifteen thousand dollars a week a day a day in what year like early, sorry. Let's say nineteen fifty five. Early fifties, yeah. before fifty five. Like if you the, convert the amount yeah. now, it's it's converts to one hundred and seventy thousand dollars a day. This right. fucking guys like Bill no Gates. Way. These are like uh, NBA All Star salaries. He yeah. must have enemies just out of jealousy alone. But yeah. also, also the enemies were in his own community. But because it's illegal, he was already having to pay protection money to the. Italian and I believe Jewish mob in Cleveland. Wow! Holy crap! To because they need, they need a piece. Yes. Of your new operation. Hey, yeah. props for Don King's hustle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we stop here, this guy sounds great. Yeah. Um, so the next part of my Google document, the headline is "Killing Number One." In 1954, <laughs> Don King shot and killed a man named Hillary Brown, who was allegedly trying to rob one of his gambling dens. Now I just have one th- question here. Yes. The man's name's Hillary. Yeah, you're thinking, you know, Clinton. You're thinking sure, Hillary from Fresh Prince. Duff. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I guess it's a different time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My friend's grandfather's name was Beverly, so you know what? <laughs> I guess that was a thing that happened. Yeah, couldn't do that today. <laughs> no way, Grandpa Beverly. <laughs> yeah, wow, good for him. Good for him. A pioneer. <laughs> um, so King successfully claimed self-defense in this killing yeah. because he was. He said, like, this guy was robbing my illegal gambling den? Anyway, mm. the cops were like, fair play. You were defending your <laughs> business. A justifiable homicide, they called it. And uh, who knows who he was paying off at that point? Yeah, right. really. Police. If you're making that much money, you might as well. And I mean, this is it, an interesting yeah, thing involving city. a few years later, the front of King's house was blown up oh, by a gangster shit. named Alex Shondor Burns because King had started refusing to pay protection money to the mob. Amazingly, no one was hurt, and the gangster then sent a goon after Don King and shot him in the back of the head with a shotgun, but Don King wasn't seriously injured, just some pellets got stuck in his neck. And what the that hell? was I was like, he's like a more flamboyant T-1000. <laughs> I think this explains like, why he's not afraid of boxers and stiffing boxers, because clearly he's... Wouldn't that be so stressful? So that's buckshot then, right? Yeah. Because doesn't Something that like scatter that, yeah. when you shoot it? Oh. It's oh. Not like I don't think it hit... Yeah, it didn't hit his like metallic neck and go... It's <laughs> <laughs> shattering. <laughs> ting to ting. Yeah, you're right. And then he like pops his neck and they all fall out onto the ground. And then he but, the, the but liquid Terminator thing. Yeah, but Don bullet. King could create like a big sword arm. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah so he yeah. could do that. Yeah. But wouldn't that be so stressful if you're like, oh, the fucking mob wants me to pay them more money, but I don't want to. And then like, <laughs> you know, they're going to do all this stuff. Like, that sounds yeah. like hell. Yeah. I, kinda, I don't know if I don't want to can factor into it. I think but, you just got to. <laughs> this is why I don't make any money at all. I just yeah. like chilling out. So guys, taking it easy. Around this time, guess who Don King got to know? He met a young Olympic boxing champion named at the time Cassius Clay in 1960. Woo! Woo! And they became friends. Don King started following Cassius Clay around America, seeing his uh, boxing match. Now you follow someone on Instagram, but back then you actually followed them around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you gave them thumbs up for real. <laughs> So Don King, he's riding high. He's the king of Cleveland, right? King of Cleveland. He's got a healthy neck. Um, <laughs> friends with the biggest boxer in the world. An impenetrable neck. Impenetrable. 
the next headline in the Google document is killing number two. Holy shit. So on April 20th... <laughs> do it. Yeah, do now the whole this thing. This is a story all about how I took out my gun and two got gunned down. Yeah. So Not killing- just one, but two gunned down. <laughs> this is the second story about how I killed another guy. Like, wow. So on April 20th, 1966... Uh. <laughs> The year, I guess, the Beatles released Revolver, mm. Don King, he was still running the numbers game, and uh, he got into a fight with one of the guys who worked for him, a 34-year-old man named Sam Garrett. There was a fight because Don King claimed that Garrett owed him $900. Garrett said he only owed 600 Things escalated, got out of control on the street, Shit. and basically the details are murky, but Don King um, stomped him to death. Jeez. And pistol whipped him with his uh, thirty-eight caliber revolver. Revolver, revolver. What? Yeah. He killed them with the freaking Beatles album name. <laughs> yeah, he he like pulls the record out and starts beating the guy with the revolver. Let me guess, <laughs> a few years later, he killed someone with a magical mystery tour. <laughs> uh. <laughs> By the way, six hundred dollars today, fifty nine hundred dollars. So, so he was pretty justifiable, I think. Yeah. yeah. Who are we to judge? <laughs> yeah. So he's now a he, scary guy. Well, like, in his defense, uh, he, he has hard. said he that hard. he. Were you going to get to the defense? Because his defense was that, like the the stories I read were that he he stomped a man to death for owing him six hundred dollars. Yeah. He says he hit somebody and their head hit the ground and they died that way. Hmm. Like he's like he it was just that. a regular fist fight. But mm, also, yeah, okay. one of the cops, and I'm not going to take a white cop in 1966's yeah. word for anything. Yes. He's like, we saw him kick him in the head, but whatever. And then they right, said, stop, right. and then he kicked him one more yeah. time. Is, but who the hell? Yeah. yeah, that could absolutely be untrue. So, and that's part of what, when I was wondering if this guy actually qualifies as a good ca- uh, candidate for this show, it was all about these reports were all like the cops yeah. uh, reporting on him in the 80s and yeah. 60s and 50s. So Heavily racist I think time. deeply, deeply dubious reporting. On all counts. Yeah. Good we, we points. Yeah. What I do know is that apparently King outweighed Garrett by more than 100 pounds and had with him a loaded unregistered magnum. Uh, Garrett's purported last words were, I'll give you the money, Don. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Hope he doesn't have that on his... Yeah. Like on his tombstone? I'll give you the money, Don. I would have given Ooh. you the money, Don. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's really depressing. So he was charged with second-degree murder... But he ended up being convicted of voluntary manslaughter, and he spent three years and eleven months in prison. It's alleged, Shit. according to the yep. the, um, the front line front line documentary you sent me, Ennis. It's alleged that King paid thirty thousand dollars to buy off witnesses because none of the witnesses showed up to testify at the trial. Wow! And he was actually convicted of the second degree murder, and then like went into a meeting with the judge and came out with it reduced to involuntary manslaughter. Yes, or voluntary manslaughter. Well, apparently yeah, yeah. he had his arm around the judge, and they were laughing their asses off when they came out. <laughs> what? You can't do that. <laughs> And it's not and this. The judge had like a new necklace, like a gold necklace. <laughs> well, you make that joke, but there was he was arrested for. We'll get to the stuff like the, it's more about his mob ties. But he yeah. was arrested for tax evasion because it was the only thing they could try to do to tie him to like uh, mob mobsters and racketeering. Oh, right. They like got Al him Capone, off, and then he right? flew all the the jurors on a trip to go watch boxing. Yeah, he flew them to London. Yeah, Jeez. right, to watch a boxing match where he was extol- like bilking yeah. two yeah. innocent boxers <laughs> out of millions. So King Money is in talks, prison. Eh? And he used his time in prison to give himself the education that he never got. So for four years, he he immersed himself in classic literature and philosophy. And when he was released in 1971, he said that he was, quote, armed and dangerous, armed with wisdom and knowledge. He read Shakespeare. He read 
Freud. He talks about Freud a lot, and he can Marcus Aurelius. He can quote Socrates. He can Why do they always mis- go to Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, I don't know. he does though. He can quote or misquote a lot of classic uh, authors or historical events yeah. and stuff, and he often peppers his speech. If with you're that. stuck in prison for three and a half yeah. years, books must be delicious. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The idea of just disappearing. He every stomped day? so many books into his brain <laughs> <laughs> through the back of his neck. After he got out of clay doing all this time, he had been stripped of his world heavyweight championship belt between 67. Oh, was because because he declined to uh, fight in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. And he went to jail for those reasons. That's bullshit, dude. When King went to jail, too, for that, didn't he? Did he actually get? No, wait, that was um, wasn't that uh, Reuben Carter, the hurricane? That was for a murder charge. That was a oh. murder charge. No, uh, Muhammad Ali specifically said, like, Viet Cong and never did anything to me. Wow. I'm not sure yeah. if he went to jail Which or he was just... such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It was Damn, just about... Dude. Yeah, and this was pre-Rumble in the Jungle, which we're going to get to, wow. obviously. So after he's out of jail, he wanted to leave, like, gambling and the numbers game behind, and he was looking for legitimate business opportunities, and... Uh, podcast Network. Podcast Network. <laughs> he tried to launch one. This is around the time that he decided to get into boxing and become a boxing promoter. Now, Ennis, okay. you had a uh, yeah a so, clip you wanted us to listen yes, to. I wanted to uh, kind of punctuate some of these things uh, in Don King's life by playing some video footage of him on various late night talk shows throughout the 80s Please. and 90s. Because I think the one thing we have not mentioned yet is whether it came before or after uh, he was in jail and studied and, and, and became a much smarter person... Uh, Possibly the most, char- and I say this lumping Muhammad Ali in, possibly the most charming public speaker. Like, I went into this reading all these things about that he had done, and then watching him speak, it's hard to know if I think he's guilty of these things. Right. Because he's, very he's the most dynamic, <laughs> fascinating, hilarious, uh, oh, arrogant. Totally, we grew up like prime age uh, when pop culture was the most impressionable upon us, yeah. when he was at the top. Oh, yeah. When he Tyson, par- before, we were talking like about this pre- earlier, right? He was parodied pre-prison on Pre-prison Tyson, yeah. SNL, like, yeah, Simpsons. Simpsons. Like, yeah. Like, he was a big part of our culture. Like, so this is, I re- totally remember watching his interviews and stuff. So this is Don King on David Letterman in April 6, 1982. Okay. Right off the top. Uh, let's just start at the beginning. Tell me, uh, what exactly does a boxing promoter do? Well, a boxing promoter puts together an attraction, an attraction that would be... Uh, a, big enough that uh, people want to come and see and then you construct a business deal around that attraction so that you can make money for the people that are participating and make some for yourself yeah now let's let's talk about money now uh, where now say uh, for let's take the uh, Cooney Holmes fight is that gonna happen yes it is when is that gonna be it is definitely going to happen on June the 11th it's gonna be a spectacular that the world is awaiting <laughs> you're doing a little promoting here aren't you oh absolutely that's amazing <laughs> Yeah. So, so what is promoting all the way and, to and yeah. on the and I just on realized it was also playing at one point two five speeds. So <laughs> that's what he speaks about. But go ahead. Okay, so we just watched that. Yeah. It's funny watching that clip because yeah, you can't see obviously, but Don King is wearing a fur coat. He has like multiple necklaces, many rings, his mm-hmm. hair like very flashy. Very uh, instantly a very memorable character. Probably an important trait, I guess, if you're a boxing promoter like He totally did that hair on purpose. Oh well, yeah, like I, he's I have info yeah, about the Here hair. we go. Okay. The, the thank cultivation you. of the brand. In the well, I keep forgetting the name, Frontline. Yes. His old friend, the musician Lloyd Price. Lloyd Price, yeah. Talks who, about how they came up with his famous iconic hairstyle cuz Lloyd Price was like 
you um Lloyd Price is a musician, the musician. Like a very successful musician apparently. Sold yeah. forty two million records. I'm not sure if he was in a band or by himself, but I think he was a solo guy, like a solo R and B singer. Right. But he was like, Yeah, the record label always has to be bigger than the artist. Right. He, so he's like a music industry metaphor. He was like, you have to be bigger than your, your fights and your boxers. So you have to have like a, a unique look, easily identifiable and iconic look. And so Lloyd Price says that they, he started just styling his hair, Don King, and he was combing it up. And then he saw it and he was like, that's your look, Don. St- sticking straight up kind of like, like, like a flame onion. kind of. But it was like, white, he, like so he touched like that, onion. like he touched that ball at Ontario Place. Yes, I feel like Lloyd right. Price the Science was, Center. However, Don King has a story about how he came up with his iconic hairstyle. Oh, I don't know this. So, according to Don King, he told this to the L.A. Times in 1986. He said it was uh, it came from God. He said, "quote I was trying to go to sleep. This was after he was released from prison. He said I was trying to go to sleep. I didn't know which way I was going to go in my life. What I was going to do." All of a sudden, there was this rumbling in my head. It was just like a volcanic eruption. My hair began to pop up. Ping, 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 ping. Each hair, each strand, pristine and beautiful. Each standing up beautifully. And he says, I didn't know what was happening to me. My wife, Henrietta, looked at me and said, Look at your hair. What have you been doing to it? I was frightened. I went to the barber shop, and the guy put the scissors next to my head, and electric shock started popping out. <laughs> Then he put the clippers in there, and I start to get migraine headaches. I had to get out of there, barber, of the barber shop. I had to run. Wow! Man, I'm real. sure every word of that seems what, what entirely was, plausible. What was that Very musician's real. name? Lloyd Price. Lloyd, Lloyd Price. Price. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if Lloyd Price helped him, Don King, with his hair, but I would believe Vincent Price did. Oh, Bride of Frankenstein, much? <laughs> Roasted. Feel free to put me on roast battle season four. We'd love to have you. I don't have any power in that regard. Stagger Lee was a Lloyd Price hit. And personality. Ah, yes, okay. Because you've got personality. Oh, yeah. That's ah. a, for me, that's the Cheese Whiz song. Yeah, cheese me Whiz. too. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. hungry now. 42 million records you yeah. sold. <laughs> 42 million tubs of Cheese Whiz as well. Yeah, as well. <laughs> well, now, so, they were integral in sort of hatching uh, the plan for Rumble in the Jungle together. Is that right? Yes. So, before we get to that... So Don King, he's going to right. get into boxing. He thinks that boxing is a nice way out of his life of crime. <laughs> so he settled on, on yeah, being a promoter. His initial stint as a boxing promoter was innocent enough, or so it seems. In 1972, he organized a benefit to help keep a, Cleveland, uh, a black hospital in, in Cleveland afloat. And for the benefit's main attraction, he got in contact with his old friend, used to be known as Cassius Clay, now Muhammad Ali, and he got Muhammad Ali to agree to do a charity fight for the hospital. They raised um, apparently $85,000. However, uh, the hospital only ever saw $1,500 of that. Oh, my God. I was wondering. Like, the, I was, yeah, okay. quite a difference. So his first ever match, he made a ton of money and ripped off a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Took 83% of the gates. <laughs> and this convinced him that, hey, there might be money in this boxing thing after all. The third... Hey, there might be some money in crime. Yeah. So he ripped off a hospital with the most famous beloved boxer in America. Right. He did another, like, local promotion. His third ever... He ripped off a funeral home. Yeah. (laughs) And his third ever fight that he promoted... (laughs) keep raising money for shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his third ever fight he promoted was... The Rumble in the Jungle in Kinshasa, Zaire, with Muhammad Ali facing George Foreman. Foreman being the current heavyweight title 
Ali getting his chance to regain the title that had been and stripped that's his of him. third his like, how third, does he, his third fight because that's like a legendary fight that he, like yeah. even anyone with passing knowledge knows like oh you know the rumble in the jungle yeah. yes like every Ali quote from that the, yeah the, the wrestle with alligator it'd be fun to watch I wonder if that's on YouTube uh, when we were kings is uh, is on Criterion Ooh. I just rewatched it actually it's an amazing oh, movie God, but it wasn't just it wasn't just a boxing it match it was a huge music festival right you had. Yeah. Uh, James Brown was involved. Who else was there? Was B. B. so I mean, it was Matt, yeah, BB King. Wow. Right? And it was he also promoted it, saying like it was all uh, black produced black fighters going back to Africa at the height of the sort of uh, black is beautiful movement feeling in like yeah. the early seventies. Wow! So it was like a huge cultural political event as well as a sporting event. And yeah, his third ever fight. This was nineteen seventy four. It's interesting that he. Did it in why? Why would he do it in Zaire? So he was looking for a location where he could get a lot of money for the fighters. He tried to do it in the states, but couldn't get anyone to invest. So he then turned to the dictator of Zaire, whose name is Mobutu Sese Seko, as you do. And Mobutu wanted to get some positive PR for Zaire, like sport washing, basically. basically. Yeah, and Mobutu was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll give you a ten million dollar purse for each fighter." And Don King was like, sure. So they set it up and a TV deal. And the fight was watched by as many as one billion viewers at the time. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was massive. I mean, think about what was on TV at the time. How many choices you had. This would have been yeah. the thing to watch. It was like a guy walked on the moon and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you then- Mom, you want to watch the guy walk on the moon again? Yeah. Now, the wow. fight was done. This was interesting. Yes. Yeah. To time it for maximum viewership in America, the fight took place at 4 a.m. in Zaire. Right, yeah. Oh, wow. Which is, th- oh. that's very respectful of the athletes for sure. 4 a.m. Imagine yeah. the crowd, like you'd been drinking, like, you know what I mean? If you're watching a thing Yeah, that's the question. Did the doors open up. at 3 or do doors open at 8 and you just party all night? But isn't this the one too where like Foreman was kind of getting up there in age? And no, 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 Ali. Ali was the one getting up here in age. No one thought he could beat Foreman. Foreman oh. was the new... Guy yeah, okay. and it's great. You if you watch that movie He's, or you get a chance, Foreman yeah. was like this silent killer. Like his thing was just like yeah. just uh, punishing blows. But and, don't they kind of think they let he let Ali want, win? No, 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 no. There's, I can't remember the rope a dope. Uh, right, this is, this like is the famous fight. one where where Ali has his it. arms down and yeah. he like yeah. avoids Foreman's no, punches he, he, by he goes like, up against the ropes yeah. and just takes blows for right, eight rounds right. and then like unleashes. Right, so he 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 let. Foreman right. use all Just his energy out, yeah. and then he goes and gets I him. I watched it yeah. like 20 years ago. I mean, it's amazing it stuff. Watching the yeah. Muhammad Ali stuff uh, is incredible. Yeah. Uh, That's it's cool. a great movie. That's but, really wild. But yeah, he was definitely doing everything. Like, Wasn't there a Fuji song on the soundtrack? Yeah, When We Were Kings with uh, a, a Rumble in the Jungle with um, Busta Rhymes, Tribe Called Quest, yeah. John Forte. Yeah, it plays over the end credits. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, so it was a... That that's a good time. That's a good, that was a good time in life, I think. <laughs> it was a massive world. Like it put Don King on the map. Suddenly he was out of nowhere. It's like wow, he produced this amazing worldwide spectacular event. And it's like the last big fight Ali would win, right? He went out like as a, I mean, was, as a champ, I think. Well, Ali. So so Ali beat Foreman yeah. against odds. But then the next year, Don King did another international boxing event, the Thrilla in Manila. Once again, he used the formula of getting a dictator to put up money for a fight. So he got Ferdinand Marcos, <laughs> the dictator of the Philippines, to guarantee a bunch of money. Uh, $4.5 million for Ali himself, at least. And uh, they did the, uh, 
this time it was uh, Joe Frazier versus Ali. Right. And like the the Rumble in the Jungle, it was a huge event. I think it was like the first time HBO did a live pay-per-view broadcast, 1975. Wow, and tons historic. of Did HBO, maybe it existed in some other I, capacity? Because I don't think there was cable TV then. From what I saw, it was called home box office hbo maybe it just said it was in a different maybe it existed in a different capacity i think it was just paid events maybe at the time i might be wrong but it was that sounds familiar they they had they did a lot of boxing coverage like they weren't in other sports i don't think but a ton of boxing coverage wow before the thriller in manila touched ground in philippines marcos like cleaned up the city as a dictator he had uh introduced martial law a few years earlier and he got rid of thousands of squatter huts and cleared shanties and like cleaned up the city before the boxers and the world's media arrived in Manila. And the squatters all went to like nice homes and stuff. He got them nice condos. <laughs> I feel like a key to I that's, like that's who lives in Dubai now. That's who runs Dubai. Yeah. He sent them all to Dubai. Oh, but also Ali beautiful. won this one again. Right. Oh, well, Ali did win this one. Okay. I guess but this one was crazy. much more controversial. There was like I think this is the one I was thinking of. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like a key to Don King's strategy at the time was make the boxing event rhyme. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. You know, like he's just like, okay, we're doing one in, uh, you yeah. know, Manila. Thriller. Well, that's, he took that from an Ali quote. Oh, so he's he, like, Ali I'm going to get, the, he kept calling him a gorilla. He kept calling and taunting Frazier during the lead up. Wow. Saying, I'm going to get the, the gorilla. It's going to be a thriller and a chiller in Manila. And Don King. Uh, that's cool. Just used it. What if there was, what if he had had a boxing match in Ontario? What do you think it would have been called? The, um, the uh, imbroglio in on Brace Bridge. <laughs> the, um, the imbroglio in Brace, Brace Bridge. Bridge. Uh, cha- the, the champion in Brampton. Brampton. No, these aren't good. Mm, it's a tough one. Uh, what rhymes with something that sounds cool? In cha- let me add him and chat him. Oh yes, shit! Right? Yes, okay, yes. we got it. Yep, there we go. Let me um, <laughs> chat him, Ontario. The Toronto. Go for the kill in Orangeville. Yes, there it is. That's yes. the one. The kill in Orangeville. <laughs> the world's media descends on Orangeville. Oh, it's a matter perfect. of time, eh? Yeah. yeah. I think Orangeville's going to get an NHL team. <laughs> <laughs> so throughout the rest of the 70s, yeah. Don King was now like the biggest name in boxing promotion. He started Don King Productions and he. Oh, DKP. Basically... Yeah, DKP. I'm signed to them. <laughs> Uh, That's what it was on the trading floor when you could uh, buy stocks at DKP. He expanded his boxing empire and sort of became, uh, built a roster of some of the biggest fighters in the 70s. Larry Holmes, Wilfred Benetez, Roberto Duran, Salvador Sanchez, Wilfredo Gomez. Hmm. Any of these names ring a bell? I'd heard of Roberto Duran before. Really? Okay. But I mean, just a name in my head. But so he's pretty much like all there is. He's the force in boxing right now. He's the force in boxing. Yeah. But then, uh, a weird digression here. In 1984, Don King produced the Jacksons 1984 Victory Tour, which was the last time that all the Jackson brothers performed together on stage. And Don King produced it. And I think, Chris, you saw that, the Victory Tour. Yeah, I saw it in, at the CNE. And Michael Jackson appeared in it sort of against his like, will a bit. Because yeah. his brothers needed the money, and Don King produced it. Well, the concert wow. started with Don King coming out and stepping on a guy's head <laughs> numerous times. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And you were a little boy when you saw this. <laughs> yeah, I was six. <laughs> um, 
I got uh, VIP seats. Uh, they were right in Michael Jackson's pants. <laughs> oh my god! And the song was called "Feed It." It's "Feed It" instead of "Beat It" because of stomping. Okay. <laughs> you. And uh, Michael Jackson asked not Don, feed, <laughs> feed it, feed it. Not great, not great. Michael Jackson asked Don King to set up a special solo concert for him in Thailand. <laughs> oh, cool! Thailand's uh, beautiful. Yeah. I heard. Uh, Don King uh, famously, yeah. I didn't know this. He set up the advertising deal for Michael Jackson and Pepsi that resulted in the uh, his hair catching fire. I had no idea he had any. Michael Jackson connection at all. This is crazy. Yeah. He was the biggest thing Don, in entertainment. Don and, King is like fungi. You don't realize how important it is for the rest of the earth to work <laughs> without it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the FBI were on his back. They were looking into him fixing matches. Uh, so he lost a deal with ABC to broadcast a bunch of boxing tournaments because he had been f- fixing the matches. Uh, the FBI also looked into him for tax evasion and amazingly so he and his secretary were indicted the jury acquitted don king and convicted his secretary that's fucking bullshit nice. I, didn't, I didn't even know that part this is the jury that he flew to london to watch the fight i to think watch that, the witherspoon that's fight so yeah yeah shitty so She's did don pro- king say no you don't understand my secretary is the bad bad man yes <laughs> yeah we will do another score for the secretary so yeah Pouring, um, that reminds me of when Chico Marx is on trial in uh, Duck Soup, and he's in trouble for taxes, too. And he says, hey, I got a cousin who lives in taxes. And they go, no, no, ta- not dollars, taxes. And he goes, yeah, that's where he lives, dollars, taxes. <laughs> that's a that's good joke. really funny. <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Can I mention something about the Thrill in Manila? That, uh, Absolutely. I don't know if you were going to get to this or not, but this yeah. is one of the things that... Um, that I think is starting to turn him into more of like a cartoonish villain. After uh, Rumble in the Jungle, all of his association with Muhammad Ali, etc., um, uh, Ali tried to sue uh, Don King because he shortchanged him. Holy he shit. claimed $1.2 million from the fight that he owed him. Holy right. shit. And what, yeah, rip uh, off Muhammad Ali. Yeah, r- ripping him up. But he was now, he's, at this point, it's uh, 1982, he's, he was in the hospital. And he wasn't like, this is where, you know, he ended up developing Parkinson's and stuff, but like yeah, a lot of yeah. blows to the head and he wasn't at his best. If you know, you know, Muhammad Ali being this like charming, eloquent, snappy, hilarious guy. Yeah. Um, he got his best friend, Jeremiah Shabazz, to go to the hospital with a bag of money with $50,000 mm-hmm. in it and a letter saying, I will uh, drop the lawsuit. And basically, Don King was like, do not leave that hospital until you get him to sign this and take the money. Jesus. So, Ali ended up signing it, and that's how they dropped this $1.2 million lawsuit. They took, it, took advantage, advantage of, a, of Muhammad yeah. Ali in 1982. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the sad. levels he was going to to mm-hmm. exploit people's sympathies. And this quote from Shabazz, uh, recapping, this is also, there was a Frontline special that came out in 1991, a journalist uh, who Don King said had an agenda against him. And in fact, there's footage of him screaming at the journalist yeah. uh, in the thing about uh, his depiction of him. Uh, the quote is, uh, I took the documents back to Don. He was just so pleased. Don and I would still be friends, except this guy just uses people, uses you up, then he has no need for you. Then he goes on to the next one. You're just so much cannon fodder, just a nothing. Mm. So this is, it's getting out there, I think, that. Yes. And are you going into well, I was, next? I was going to do a whole list of all the boxers okay. eventually and how they, everyone sued right. him. But yeah, the Ali yeah. one is particularly yeah. because of the stature yeah. of Muhammad Ali and this just. Piece of shit ripping off a yeah. sick 
man in his bed. I mean, sick from know. the fights that yeah. he he organized as well, right? Yeah. To some extent, like no culpability, no, right. no, yeah. no. Uh, you know, for someone who claimed, like he really did, definitely, uh, especially in the Rumble in the Jungle, but later on, like talk about you know his persecution as a black man and uh, trying to make it in the greatest country on earth and all this stuff. But he yeah. was still exploiting constantly yes. people who were uh, otherwise compromised and couldn't hang with his level of like intellect, cunning, mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Plotting, scheming. Mm-hmm. Scheme, um, scheme, plot, plot. Just before we get to Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson years, there was a crazy thing in the early 80s during the apartheid era in South Africa. Oh, there was that whole movement to like, there was that song that little Steve Van Zandt put together, I Ain't Gonna Play Sun City, where a bunch of musicians declared they Bruce weren't going to perform there. The uh, Paul Simon didn't sign that uh, for some reason. Um, <laughs> But uh, Don King, through Arthur Ashes, the tennis legend Arthur Ashes, yep. uh, sort of prodding him, Don King joined and became an executive board member of an organization called Artists and Athletes Against Apartheid. Pretty good, right? It's one of the po- mm. positive side for Don King. He's got a good side, yeah. But, Ennis, I'm sorry to tell you this. At the same time, Don King was trying to convince boxers that worked for him to go do a fight in South Africa in Sun City. And he convinced the heavyweight fighter Greg Page to go and fight a South African named Jerry Coetzee in Sun City, for which Don King received $1 million. Like just fully just doing the opposite of the thing that he's purported to be supporting. And when Arthur Ashe found out about this, he got mad and they forced Don King to resign from the board of artists against uh, and athletes against apartheid. But that didn't ruin his reputation, did it? <laughs> he said he didn't set foot in South Africa, so he was innocent. He was like, I just sold my rights, the rights to my... Yeah, it's like, I'm not touching you. Yeah. But you're, my hand is like right by your eye. Mm. My finger yeah. is pointing out right by your eye, so if you move your eye... It gets stabbed with my finger. I didn't go to South Africa. I'm not there. Yeah. I'm against South Apartheid. <laughs> I'm not touching you. Yeah. He, he didn't need to be on that board. Like, Had he done that, it would have been like, yeah, what, what else is new? But the fact that he was on the board of this yeah. organization... Is Just reaching funny. for whatever was the most uh, uh, demonstrative form <laughs> of positive publicity to help his brand, his ego. Yeah. So the Mike Tyson years, here they come. Get ready. So Mike Tyson... Did it kind of like save him from, like, was he kind of near being uh, well, I get the sense blacklisted that, at this point? No, no I think no, that, no, no. no, he was fully just thriving. You he know? was and lost think, because his two previous managers had like died like dominoes one after yeah. each other. No, not yeah. Tyson, but I'm saying, was Don King's reputation oh. uh, in trouble at all by this I mean, point I think before Mike Tyson? Reporting was starting to come out against him. And, yeah, like, yeah. and the thing is, like, uh, there was this other boxer named uh, Tim Witherspoon. Can we talk about him for a second? Yeah, yeah. so before Tyson, this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is the guy that came out. They were, uh, Tyson was right after this, but um, essentially there was a boxer who he found uh, and he was, you know, he's like, you're going to be the next big thing. Witherspoon gets an ear infection before his first fight. The doctor says, you shouldn't fight this fight. You have an ear infection. It could be bad. Don King... I guess because he stood to lose tons of money if the fight didn't happen or just didn't, you know, stood to not win, earn all the money that he had set up <laughs> I can't rip you off if you I don't fight. Rip, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> lobbied the boxing commission, to, the federation, to take his boxing license away. This guy, Tim Witherspoon, who was like nude, relatively, this is like his biggest shot. And then basically went, you know what? I'll give you back your license if you sign a long-term contract with me to be your manager. Except 
uh, or, uh, me to be your promoter, I guess it was. Was it his manager? He signed with me, signed with yeah, my yeah. with the King World or whatever the company was called. On top of that, he was like, you also have to take my stepson as your manager. He's going to take 50% of everything you earn, which was uh, prohibited by the Boxing Federation. You could only uh, take 33% as a manager. So he had two contracts drawn up, one that he gave the Boxing Federation that said he was only charging 33%, and the other one that was the real contract <laughs> for 50%, also, and had him sign a contract that was blank. Yes. So you want to talk, oh and, and told them like, you don't need a lawyer. If you have a lawyer, we're not doing this. So like, he talks about in all these interviews that, that he's, it's a place where a black man with no education can make millions of dollars. He's conning, it doesn't matter, legends like Muhammad Ali or someone new to box. They yeah. know what I mean? Like a, an unknown like and Tim And that guy truly feels like he has no choice at this point. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 50% like, and yeah. you're the one doing the fighting and yeah. like... Getting concussed. It's like being a day player in this Canadian sounds television. Sounds like Don King. Like if you accidentally bump into him, <laughs> yeah, you owe him money. You can't get away from him <laughs> yeah, until yeah, yeah. he's ripped you off. Yeah, the and t- then like he went in uh, the fight that happened in London, I guess, where he won the heavyweight yeah. title championship. This was the one where he flew the jurors that uh, yeah. convicted his secretary of tax evasion. <laughs> that he flew them to London <laughs> to fucking yeah. watch this boxing match where he was bilking Tim Witherspoon yeah. out of millions. So and Witherspoon won like every boxer's dream. With yeah. the ear infection. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> he lost the ear infection. He got okay. treated. Yeah, okay, he had drops. Okay. It was fine. But Witherspoon nice. finally. He achieved his dream of getting he won the world heavyweight championship yeah. belt or whatever and uh he there was like a few million dollars in the purse yeah when he got home he got a check for ninety thousand yeah. dollars and then Dong Ting was like well there's all these expenses there's all your commission and then the guy he beat made like nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> an outrageous amount more than him yeah oh my god because he was like well look there's you made five hundred thousand but then you got to take half of that for my stepson carl and then there's this and this and this and like again I like just conning him at every turn carl king where did tim witherspoon go after this um as he far sued, as i know he sued king eventually yeah. oh, he tried to sue king yeah. uh for i think 35 million something like that yeah Whoa. don king countered by blacklisting witherspoon saying he can't fight against anybody else that i represent and then apparently uh now armed with a lawyer witherspoon's uh defense or prosecutors found some like damning evidence against him and then according to witherspoon mobsters came and threatened him okay. so threats and intimidation was the next step which is what led to the you know all this stuff with the tax evasion and everything was in there too. Like his connection to yeah. there was a there was a a guy named Blinky Palermo who was apparently a mob liaison to boxers <laughs> who would like be it. used to not only intimidate boxers but also to like close deals for their like closed circuit yeah. TV rights and all this stuff. Like I think they get thrown which he's off. denied all of this. He's denied any mob ties. On they, our they, they get they get thrown off by his blinking and they'd be like, okay, fine, fine, I'll sign it, I'll <laughs> yeah, sign stop it. Stop it. blinking at me. The Frontline documentary. It'd be a shame if there was something in your eye you couldn't blink <laughs> out. To. The Frontline uh, special had a nice scene of a young, uh, vigorous Rudy Giuliani with a nice, thick, full head of hair. Oh, yeah. Saying nice. that they couldn't pin anything to him. Yeah, I think, yeah. Right? yeah. So that was uh, all this stuff. I mean, he is becoming kind of like above the law. So it's, in fact, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Around the time Tyson comes up, he is kind of untouchable. Right, right. You know? So that's where we are. Rumored to have had connections with the Gaudis. He had to testify at one point, and he took the fifth when they were asked, like, do you know John Gaudi? And he was like, um, uh. So he's always, right. since the 50s, I guess, had connections to the mob. Anyway. He's like, John, or Robert De Niro did, did it. <laughs> <laughs> no one gets mad at him. Yeah. He said he was walking here. So the last big fighter, I <laughs> no, think. He didn't say I that. Oh, 
Tootsie said that. <laughs> Tootsie said, <laughs> I'm walking you. <laughs> I believe Mike Tyson was the last like gigantic fighter he rapped. And this is where, I guess, when I was a kid, where I first became aware of Don King. Me probably too. Probably you guys, when he would be you know ringside or like doing press conferences but yeah he started working with tyson in like 1986 after two of tyson's like previous managers like died really young one after each other yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, this is like for what you any say about whatever, whatever you say about mike tyson like he was clearly looking for father figures and a lost yeah. like um, teen fueled by rage yeah you were saying like saying before he was like a sort of a bad kid going going down before like his first manager like yeah. steered him at, yeah. towards towards Say, yeah. punching people as hard as he could <laughs> for millions of dollars um, so Don King then swooped in became basically like his exclusive manager and like his took over his life basically and they seemed to be a good match because Tyson was like unbeatable he made boxing exciting in a way that people hadn't seen because he was just so ferocious uh, and Don King was like able to dazzle the cameras and, and speak on camera then, yes, Tyson did go to jail a bit because he was convicted of rape. And so his, his, Tyson's career uh, was on hold for a bit. But when he came back, there was the fight against McNeely yeah. that did like a record uh, box office. I think we paid like 50 bucks for it Yeah, on pay-per-view. My friend Pete Anderson's house. Thank you, Pete. What year was that? I want to say like 91, 92. I think... No, no, no. He hadn't gone to jail yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 95 was, was the McNeely fight. Yeah. I, I weirdly remember that really well. Yeah. yeah. It was really anticipated. Well, and then it was what? Buster Douglas next? No, that was 89. That was... Uh, Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. Right. Okay, pardon me. Okay. Was before, yeah. Make it a separate but thing. Don't get me started. after McNeely was the famous Holyfield ear-biting fight, the bite right. fight, yeah. um, which also made a record amount of money. And Tyson... I, interesting thing... Mike Tyson was fined $3 million for the bite, for biting Holyfield's ear. And I wrote down, talk about an expensive meal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and did you know as a sidebar that he now has like a marijuana company that has ear-shaped gummies? Holyfield? Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson. Oh, my God. Ears with a bite taken out of them. He sells them. If it was Holyfield, that'd be very charming. But it is kind of awful that it's Mike Tyson. Yeah, I'd be pissed if I was Holyfield. I've got this messed up ear and like. Yeah, and then Mike Tyson's just making millions more off of it. Weirdly, on the. Sorry. Weirdly, on the on the uh, drug side. uh, For a sec, uh, I heard that Mike Tyson is actually. I'm not even setting up a joke. He's like a huge proponent for psilocybin, and like eats shrooms like almost daily. That's pretty wild. I know. Seriously, look look yeah. into it. He's hmm. apparently a big shrooms head now. Interesting. Well, oh. not setting a very good example for kids, <laughs> or a good example depending. Well, on doesn't he have a cart? He has a cartoon and stuff too. Yeah, for I feel a like guy I don't who... even want to dive into yeah. my thoughts on Tyson yeah, right Tyson, now. Tyson, that could be, be its own that, episode. That's gonna yeah. be that would be a really yeah. good episode. Yeah. So because yeah, when was the Robin Given stuff? That was before that was all the, made, That was before the yeah. the charge. Term. Yeah. Yeah. So stories were already were now circulating quite a bit that King was a ripoff artist who ripped off every fighter he repped, and even Tyson began to realize he'd been ripped off, um, and he only found out after he appeared at WrestleMania 14. Because he realized his contract he got for that was more than he was making for boxing. When Tyson signed this WrestleMania contract, he learned that Don King owned his image rights and that Don King would make $3.5 million from Mike Tyson appearing in WrestleMania. 
Wow. He ended up suing Don King for $100 million in 1998. Whoa. For all the years of ripping him off and stuff. And eventually there was an out-of-court settlement for $14 million. That's not close to $100 million. <laughs> No, it's not even close. <laughs> and so going back, when you were saying that yeah. Don King was like, he would use to get... African-American fighters to work with him, he would say, like, you know, it's you and me against, like, the, the crooked white world and yeah. stuff like that. But Mike Tyson was quoted as saying, he did more bad to black fighters than any white promoter ever in the history of boxing. And that brings me to the second clip of David Letterman with Don King from 1991, telling, uh, I guess, somewhat of a notorious story that predates Tyson to some extent. But uh, this is a story about how he came to manage George Foreman. So this would have been before uh, okay. Rumble in the Jungle, but if you will. All right, now, Don, take us back there to Kingston, Jamaica, 1972. Joe Frazier, uh, George Foreman, and what happened? Well, when I went to Kingston, Jamaica, I met George Foreman. George Foreman was running up and down a mountain over there training, and I said, George, you're going to knock out Joe Frazier. Mm -hmm. So you really think so? So every day we'd go and pick up members of his family. He's a very family-oriented mm -hmm. guy. And uh, it has a large family, so he was going all the time, constantly. And I would go with him. Now, when I went to the fight, I went to the fight with Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier, who's the defending champion. No, he was, yes, yeah, defending champion. Yeah. yeah, Joe was the champ, and uh, Yank Durham was his manager. Right, one of the so best. I, yeah, well, he was, he truly was. And so I went to the fight with Yank and Joe. And they put me in the seats over there in Joe's corner, you know, mm -hmm. but I've been working with George all week. Mm -hmm. So now when the fight started, George hit Joe, and he started bouncing him around like a basketball, yeah. you know, up and down, up yeah. and down. So I started moving down toward George's corner, you know. <laughs> the bell rang, you know what I mean? The first round was over. Second round, he started promoting him again. I got further over to George's corner. Yeah. So when he knocked him out, I was up in the ring with George. I said, yeah. George, I told you that you would, uh, you would do right. this. He said, yeah, you said that. Yeah. So I came to the fight in an in in entourage with Frazier, yeah. and I left in an entourage with Foreman. Yeah. Now, you, you understand that that's weasel behavior. <laughs> that's uh, that's <laughs> big. Even even this audience agrees with me. They don't like money. For <laughs> so those who don't like oh, so money, so you're saying it's just business. It's business. This is, you've got to go do one. Yeah. I mean, if you you know if your now, ratings about, were going down, what about you Joe, with you? What about Joe Frazier's feelings during all this? Well, Joe understands. Joe understands. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'd love him just as much, but you have to understand, he lost. <laughs> 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 he handled that really well, though Letterman. Yeah, right? I mean, in, in all in both the interviews I've seen, he really like he speaks to him in a way where he's like, "I'm on to you," you yeah. know, in a way where it wasn't getting out at that point. Now, did you guys all play Mike Tyson's Punch Out when you were kids on I, the Nintendo Entertainment? Yeah, I played the did. Nintendo version and the Super Nintendo version. I Super Nintendo version also for pretty a good. Whole summer. Oh yeah, and it I was a great I, game. I and beat it. Came it. out before Mike Tyson went to jail. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in between. Punch out one. And you know what, Mike? I'm sorry to. Well, I'm, I've just realized, right? The, the Nintendo one was Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and Super Nintendo what became Super Punch Out. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's because he went to jail in between. Oh, yeah. So they yeah. started working on a sequel to Mike Tyson's Punch Out before he was charged and convicted of oh, rape. Shit. And then they were like, oh no, we can't use Mike Tyson's image or anything related to him in this game. Is this when Don King started managing King Hippo? <laughs> <laughs> he ripped him off. <laughs> uh. Yeah, he would only he would only give him two bandages. A Don, year Don King to cover his belly button. <laughs> Don yeah. King whispers to the other fighters like, "Just don't hit him in the belly." <laughs> so, what was supposed to be Mike Tyson's Punch Out Two was released as Power Punch Two, and the game nice. it the character that was Mike Tyson had been renamed 
tough guy Mark Tyler, and he still looked like uh, Mike Tyson. Uh, and he, lo- he still looked like him. Mark Tyler. Get that far in the game. <laughs> well, no, you, TG Mark Tyler. So in this game, you weren't Little Mac. You were Mike Tyson. So you played as oh, tough guy Mark Tyler. Wow. Okay. And like Mark, Ty- what's a what's a better name than Mike Tyson? Mark Tyler. That's outrageous. Uh, and Ty- Don King had signed Tyke Markson. <laughs> Don King was supposed to be in the game Punch as well, up. but they cut. <laughs> Sorry, they cut Don King out of the game. But there was still a manager who had the big hairstyle. I remember, um, yeah, there. named Dan Kong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tricky, tricky situation. And you t- told me um, a couple weeks ago that apparently one of the boxers was. Was it Soda Popinski? That no, which one was Turkish? Should we looked up the, the oh the bald bull, bald bull. Bald bull I had from, no idea. I, rem- I don't know Turkish. why I remember this. Yeah, but it's I rem- amazing. I probably remember most of the fighters. So Soda Popinski, yeah, Glass Joe was first. Like, yeah. don't hit me. And there was like, damn, I was trying to remember Glass Joe. Glass Joe was the French guy. Him, uh, He's the first dude. There was yeah. a Canadian guy too called like the Bear or something. It was like a big dude in overalls. Yeah. There was a there was a I played East, it a lot. Southeast Asian one in a turban. I think that. Had like a tiger, or and something? he would like. Sp- oh yeah, he yeah. Would yeah. Himself yeah. And he had like a pointy goatee, and would like dart. His eyes yeah. would dart around. <laughs> but there was a oh, Polish. Oh my god! There's a big Polish this. fighter in the uh, in the home game this called Soda ma- Popinski in the arcade. That wasn't his name. He was a Polish character named Vodka Drunkinski. No, <laughs> and they changed the name. Oh. No, Vodka Drunkinski. That's outrageous. Yeah. So like Soda Pop, because it didn't make sense when you're a kid. Like, why is this guy drinking Soda, soda Pop, Pop in the in hiding in the rain site? Yeah. Soda Popinski. His catchphrase should have been like, "This is just soda." <laughs> yeah. Hey, someone put soda in my soda. <laughs> That's really funny. Like the old WC Field story. You guys know that? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, that that I mean that game rocked. When, yeah, but it's when, one of those things that like they they now have it on the Switch, but it's just called Punch Out, and he's not in it. Uh, so I don't know who you fight at the end, but there's some sort of champ. Punch Out with Mark Tyler and Dan Kong. <laughs> <laughs> You're watching Dan Kong's Punch Out with Mike Tyler, <laughs> with Mark Tyler, the, the tough guy, Mark Tyler, Tyler and Kong. I'm Mark Tyler. <laughs> My name's Mark Tyler. <laughs> What you talking about? Mark I don't know, Tyler. You know what you're talking about. My name's Mark Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Was, yeah. It was really good. Now this is this is the best example I can think of of his speaking and captivating. This is right in that pocket. This is him on the Arsenio Hall show when the Arsenio Hall show was bigger than Letterman at this point. Right. This same same year as the last. Yeah. Letterman. Same year as the last one. So it's pre. It's uh, right in the punch out. This is before Tyson goes to jail. Punch out's big. Before um, Mark Tyler, before Mark Tyler took over, yeah. uh, super punch mm-hmm. down, scab, and, um, scab <laughs> super scab Mark Tyler. <laughs> this is him defending, uh, defending uh, the frontline story mm-hmm. about him as scandalous and nice. and, uh, and slanderous. Because it was a pretty big hatchet job. Yeah, according to him. But everybody in his circle was interviewed, and yeah. all were like, "Yeah, he took money from me for years. <laughs> we're still friends, but he owes me millions of dollars." Yeah, yeah. A lot. Of, I, I guess a lot of the special talks about. Uh, I mean, say, for instance, they say Don King may not do illegal things, but he does immoral things. Well, you know, this is what they got to do. These are negative associations. They can couple enough negative associations with black people and they can make it undesirable conditions. Then if you don't like the undesirable and offensive condition and you don't like the negative association, you don't like the person because they become synonymous. So I'm so good at what I do. And, and, and I do it in America in the American way that they can't 
they can't really put it out there like they would like to do it. So they got to make me a bad character to render people from not dealing with me. You understand? They don't want you to be close to me. You know what I mean? They don't want, they don't want me to, I preach liking yourself, having confidence in yourself, having confidence in America. I understand the iniquities and injustice in America, but I also know this is the greatest country in the world. So when I support this country, I'm supporting it for the very reason that I have a recourse. I have a chance to uh, face my accuser. I have a chance to get redressed. And every time they take me to the bar of justice, I walk away unclean. You understand what I mean? Unscathed. But so what they can't stand with is now they're going to go to public consumption with innuendo insinuation, accusation, vilification, and castigation, all unfounded. You understand? <laughs> this is a great country, man, only in America. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's so clear. Wild. It's like, are you a bad guy? And he just tries to spin it into America's great, right? Yeah. So then you have to be like, yeah, yeah true. I That's know what another like- guy who does that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we'll definitely get to that at the end. But uh, I mean, to me, when I was watching this, I was like, I don't know enough about Don King. I didn't know enough about him before. I knew there were, you know, some stories and stuff. But then watching this, like, I almost for a second go like, well, yeah, maybe he didn't do it. Like, there's just a, he's mesmerizing as a speaker. Yeah. 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 Also, also but I think we've already piled like, in enough negative information. I but, hate to say it, but he is right in the sense when he says, I'm doing it in the American way. Yeah. Yeah. Because the American way is. Get yours. Yeah. Get, and get, get whatever you get want. Get yours. Yeah. Yeah. Invoke emotions to take advantage of people and so get you, what you can. You got a tiny little insight into him justifying his behavior to himself yeah. in that bite. But framing it like. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's like I'm it's, I'm part of the American system. It's like I? Trump. I'm doing it the American. It's like way. Trump getting uh, all the tax shit, being like, "Well, yeah. that's how it is here. What's the problem?" You yeah. know, like. Yeah. Also, it's so wild to watch Arsenio Hall again for a second. Yeah. I used to watch that all the time, and oh, it's really too. surreal seeing the set and stuff. Yeah, God, I remember Man. like watching. Yeah, on, yeah. on Channel Forty Seven, Johnny yeah. Gill was in sitting Toronto? in. Yeah. Johnny Gill was <laughs> sitting in with the band that night. He's singing. Uh, <laughs> James Brown after the break. So if you get a chance to watch, Crazy. Google Don King on Arsenio 1991. <laughs> Good times. So we're coming towards the end here. I just wanted to reemphasize that um, by yeah by the early 90s, mid-90s, it had become clear that every boxer that Don King had ever worked with had sued him or he was in litigation with. We heard about Muhammad Ali and mm-hmm. how he sort of bought him off for $50,000. Yep. Intimidated John and blacklisted John Witherspoon. Tim uh, Witherspoon. Larry Holmes, the yep. boxer claimed that King had cheated him out of $10 million. By the way, a certain Settled album for came out during that interview. <laughs> what? A certain album came out around the time of that interview. With, with Arsenio Hall? Yeah. In 1991? Yeah. What it's album? Chunky, eh? <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, whoa, good pull. <laughs> oh my God, that's such a deep... Chunky, A Pull that I oh almost started crying. <laughs> <laughs> How did you rip Chunky A out of it's my only the just slightly of my beneath the surface? Oh, I get so many images are flooding to mind of Chunky A now. Oh my God! For those of you who don't know, I don't. Chunky only in America. A was Arsenio Hall's fat suit alter ego that he rapped under. Oh and, my! God. And had an album and music video. Are you serious? That's peak. This was in like my coming friend to America times where everybody had like Chunky A. I don't Chunky think I was allowed a? to own it for some reason. Uh, I think my, my friend, mom knew enough had, not to let me. My friend Dave had the cassette. We listen to the whole thing. It's on Spotify. We should definitely play some Chunky yeah, A. You know game. what? In the bonus episode, we should talk Arsenio Hall. Oh, I'd yeah. love to. Yeah. Play sorry, but I was obviously... Because there's, <laughs> there's James got stuff. what I was getting at. There's I'm sorry to stuff. interrupt. I got, I got what you were trying to say, too. Never mind. As a fan of the, sh- as a fan of the show, I <laughs> got what you were trying to say. Chunky A was way better. <laughs> chunky A this was... Time, this is the one time that Chunky A beat Nirvana. <laughs> 
<laughs> the one year, the one time you gotta give it to well, Chunky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. check, check the People's Choice Awards for that year. You don't know. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe you got an empty. You have a picture MTV. of Chunky A. I can't. Large and in charge. Yeah. Let me let me see. Chunky A. Large Whoa, and in Chunky A. Yeah, yeah, I totally listened to that whole cassette. <laughs> did Arsenio bring Chunky A back when he had his revival of his talk show? That's I a bet good question. I don't know. Anyway, okay, so Larry Holmes claimed King owed him ten million, but he settled for one hundred and fifty thousand. These guys are settling for like peanuts, peanuts and pies. Oh, 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 oh. oh. and they're allergic. He's allergic peanuts. to paying them what they're worth. See, he would say to boxers, <laughs> "Peanuts, get your peanuts." <laughs> yeah, he and I'm giving them, you peanuts. He only paid them peanuts, but and, that's you know, good because he could also do. I'm sure he had so much, so many millions of dollars. None of these uh, boxers can afford the legal fees that go on and yes. on from, yeah, yeah. from uh, extended civil trials, right? So, In 2005, he tried to sue ESPN for $2.5 billion oh, right. because mm. they made a documentary basically just showing everything Don King has done. Like yeah. news clips of his life. Yeah, yeah. and he yeah. was like, this is defamation, but the, the, the judge was like, it's all true. It's not. They're not yeah. lying about you. Yeah. So he lost the case. They didn't. It's not like they called you chunky, eh? <laughs> uh, I guess the last thing is that he was in the news recently because, well, not recently, in 2016. Yeah, he was introducing Donald Trump at a uh, church uh-huh. in Cleveland. The American Dream. And while he was introducing Donald Trump, he accidentally used the N-word. And this was like on TV. Oh, oh I think I remember that. Oh, don't worry. We got to come. Very here. not surprising that he was a Trump guy. Sorry. I, my, you're getting into my weird history. of. It's hard to imagine Don King being like, I Biden. I a bunch of other ones. Very similar guys, uh, some might say. Trump yes. and uh, Donald. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll leave you with this last clip. This is him on Conan O'Brien in 1997. Uh, many controversies and such had started to catch up with him. This is right before Tyson tried to sue him for $20 million, et cetera, mm-hmm. or whatever, however much he stole from him. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I'm back with Conan. Oh, it's Conan, me boy. Conan. Yes, Conan, me boy. Yeah. You will go way back in the Irish lineage, don't oh, you? Oh, absolutely. The leprechauns <laughs> are dancing in the fields. The dandelions are jumping up, oh, going from glen to glen. Uh-huh. I love it. I yes. got to comment on the jacket. It's beautiful. Yes, yeah. it's the United States, baby. It's beautiful. It's the very nice. The greatest nation yeah. in the world. Yeah, it's beautiful. This is the greatest country in the world. Oh man, so excited! What, what is this? Your what is that? This is such a lady. You know the, you know when you come on Conan's, you get excited about the Irish lads and lassies. And uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about to allure, lure an Irish lullaby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Danny boy, oh, Danny boy. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I told you. Don't. I told you <laughs> okay, you yeah. were going to be big. You did. Early you know what on, mean? you Early said. Early on, when nobody cared. You were nondescript. That's right. You know what I mean? Nobody knew who you were. First couple of months, yeah, no one but knew. I said, you who were knew? destined for greatness. That's right. You know what I mean? The smiling eyes of the Irish. Luck of the Irish is on you, my boy. <laughs> and you're doing it now, man. And you're doing it great. <laughs> I feel like that's that the so path that funny. leads him to Trump because he's really starting to if spin he was, out. If he was stomping yeah. me to death, I'd be like, oh, I can't believe he's t- paying attention to me. Yeah, you know? yeah. You'd have some fun things to say about your um, Hungarian and Slovakian oh God, heritage, yes. Mike. In yeah. addition to your Irish <laughs> one, but yes, it's wild that he looks him in the face. He's like, I told you, you were up here, and I knew you were nondescript. Like he calls yeah. him nondescript because I think this is just before, just when Conan started, right? Nondescript, but that's, but that's part of the con is you neg them so they feel insecure, and yeah. then you bring them back up. Yeah, 
And he would sell it as like us versus them. And, and but think about it, he Conan didn't need that, but and so he can laugh it off. But he did that to like street kids, basically. Yeah, yeah. You he really had saying? he really had confidence that his like Irish brogue accent worked to do it on <laughs> TV. Yeah. And I think that's oh, where you hey see, there, boy. <laughs> I think it also shows the 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 the, the sort of the down the downslope starting like mm. him his peak is starting to drop and, because he's clearly yeah. just falling apart on that interview and yeah he's wearing a jean jacket with all these sequins on it and a full map of the united states on the back and honestly the jean jacket looks like it stinks (laughs) am i wrong yeah it looks like it's uh yeah in the passenger it's been in the passenger seat of a trucker's truck (laughs) cab with this cigar smoking fast food bags placed on it yeah yeah i don't know why amazing amazing job Mike, amazing job, Ennis. Yeah, that was hey, great. Thank you, thank you, Ennis. You you found things I didn't know about, and we I think we've all learned a little bit today about somebody uh, we thought was funny in uh, childhood, <laughs> and now we know is uh, just deeply yeah. systematically bad. There's uh, yeah. one th- nugget we did leave out because he did start spinning his wheels, as you said, here in '97, and then into the 2000s. Into the 2000s, it got worse and worse. Um, I think the last thing I saw him promoting was about 10 years ago. Uh, do you guys remember this? It was just like a sex, a live sex show, and it was called Thrilldo with a Dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was him. Right. right. I forgot that, that was him. in um, North and Korea. Then, and then it was a success, <laughs> and then it was Rumble in the Bumble. <laughs> oh, yes, right. Yes, yes. Thrilldo in the Dildo. Which is, what, which is where the app Bumble came from. So he's a majority owner of there Bumble. There you go. Yeah. Wow. It, was actually, it was originally an app for you to meet. Hot babes to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. That'd be it. it was Rumble in the Bumble. Well, is it time to bring out the evilometer? Oh, look, look, he's he's just radiating charm and charisma. Oh, evilometer! His hair is just pointing towards the heavens, <laughs> and he's got um he's got a nice jean jacket on with a map of America on <laughs> it. America, on only in America, yeah. only in America. Oh, what's that? Oh, he's threatening to stomp us, but in a humorous way. Oh, uh, I wouldn't mind it. Well, let's <laughs> input our scores into the evilometer's face. Um, <laughs> Ennis, I think you should go first. You know, um, I think that... Oh, man. I think he's bad. I think he's really bad, but he's bad in a way that America allows people to be bad. And like he has made uh, bil- millions of dollars bilking other people out of money. Throughout his career, you know, and I think that uh, I think that to to have whatever the hubris is to think that you're going to take this on and just in plain sight, just repeatedly steal from people, con people, cite that you're doing something for them and good with them. Like it is very much like it feels like like a a music manager or like a, an agent that bilks their clients out of whatever. Well, in the in the Arsenio interview, he is right uh, in the sense that. You know, it's the greatest country in the world. But the American, <laughs> the 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 government and the the big corporations do exactly what he does. Yeah, but he's doing it from the streets up. Yeah, and that's why it looks dirtier. Yeah, so to speak. So because in that in that perception element, there is still that part of it where you're attaching him to somebody else. He but, was a hundred percent being real with yeah. Arsenio. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which is bizarre because he's also conning him at the same time. Yeah, defending himself, charming Arsenio, but then also admitting kind of what he did. Yeah. So I don't think. I mean, I think you hear about like how much. I think the racial element of how much he said he was advocating, 
and that was actually hurting all of these people that he was exploiting. I think that raises it up. And the two murders, I guess. I mean, I'm not... Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've punched people. They never died from the fall, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's why I'm not managed by Don King. I'm going to say <laughs> 6.5. Punch it into the one. evilometer's face there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little uh, crumbles of buckshot just came off the back. I can't of remember the punch-out sounds. I just remembered Duck Hunt. <laughs> Let's just do that. Uh, that's close to what I was going to say. I was going to say seven. Okay. I go. I I only do round numbers because I'm too lazy to figure out a decimal point. It's just half more. Yeah, but seven. Is, my seven is around your same yeah. idea. Yeah. It's like yeah, he killed two people, and he conned <laughs> many many people and countries out of millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, took money from ruthless dictators. Yeah, so he's a piece of shit. But we keep him at seven uh, because, god damn it, there's fucking worse ones out there. It's crazy. Yeah. You don't want there to be, but there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, killed two people and also took advantage of boxers. He's making money off them fighting. And, you know, so many boxers have issues later in life. Yep. Horrible. That he took advantage of. Yeah, and so really uh, taking advantage of people who are shortening their life just to try to get out of, sometimes anyway, get out of poverty and this is a way and he's taking advantage of them. He's kind of, you know, offering these men an American dream where you can pull yourself up, but it's like, it's like a poisoned pen he's giving them to sign their (laughs) life away as they apply for the American dream. You know what I mean? So it's pretty bad. I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's 6.52. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to the aside from the killings, yeah, yeah. which we can't, can't just breeze over those. <laughs> just want to be clear. I think killing is bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a religious man, but I do believe in that commandment. Well, how could you, if you aren't religious, then how could you think it's bad? If the killing is bad? Yeah. Oh, no. I have to rethink my whole outlook. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think killing is good. Uh, but <laughs> no moral compass. The story of him ripping off the hospital <laughs> is insane. Yep. In his first his ever first thing. Jo- journey as a sojourn as a boxing yeah. promoter. And also him ripping off specifically, well, all the boxers is sad, but Muhammad Ali especially is like unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, man in the hospital with Parkinson's. Um, and um, his secretary uh, going to prison. I'm thinking of her. Yeah, I'm going to give him a seven. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Really good. Really interesting. Great job, you two. It was really fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. Please come again. Oh, amazing guest appearance and also amazing hosting job by yes. you for us. Thank you for having us in your home. Yes. Speaking us. of, again, uh, making season four now of Roast Battles Canada. Yes, we're shooting the it The other three August. seasons, everyone can watch them. I guess if you have CTV comedy or you can watch them on Crave. Yeah. And this is also on Children Ruin Everything. Yeah. On that's CTV true. That's and on Roku CTV. in the States. Which it's the rest of us have uh, worked on. fingers in as yep. well. Yeah. That's right. I've in front of, in. behind, under yeah. the camera. <laughs> everybody. Curtin Smeaton uh, created something awesome. Yep. Do you have any any other shows you want to mention or things? No, I think because of the SAG strike, I'm not supposed to say anything else. So. Oh, but you're in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's okay. Red Oaks, that show, Amazon. Right. Yeah, Prime. <laughs> there was a Toronto Star review of season one of it uh, three weeks ago. 
Really? The, for the show that came out eight years ago. <laughs> hey. Yeah, where the reviewer was like, now, as a re- re- reviewer, it's my job to watch everything, but I can't get to all these shows. So oh he's eight years God. behind TV? Yeah, I don't remember her name. <laughs> Nobody but she... asked that reviewer to do anything with their life <laughs> yeah. ever, I'm sure. It was like inside an article on Son of a Critch. Oh, it was I also see, that. Right. If you like that show, here's another show from eight years ago that's been canceled. Son of a Critch is doing really well. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. You good were also Canadian on, TV. Yeah, you were in the Blacklist. Nope. Oh, what's the one you were on? You have to tell me. Fuck! It's I like those ladies on the, on the street all over again. What one? The listener. Yeah, the listener. But there's another Blind one. Blind spot. Blind spot. It's the Blacklist. James Spader. <laughs> Blacklist Shit. is James, James Spader. I, that's yeah. what I meant, Blindspot. Yeah. And, and this has the James Spader-like character on Blindspot. Yeah, I guess but that's But James true. Spader from Crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And My were... character does fuck a lot of leg holes. You were in Good Star Trek God. The Next Generation as well, right? Yes, I played Worf and Riker. <laughs> yeah, I played Worf's forehead. It was just my balls. <laughs> <laughs> but I, can I just say this is my favorite podcast of all time oh thanks and you alone individually are three of the funniest people I've ever seen live Why? and as a Voltron of sorts it's unparalleled so I can't wait to see your live show thanks for having me back thanks for joining thank us thank you for joining us thank you and follow Ennis on Instagram yeah that's it that's probably gonna go down soon though at some point <laughs> God, guys, I can't believe it. That was just another excellent episode of... This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 